They had some sort of like uh, branding name for it <laughs> last night. I called it Butt Blasters. That's probably not, <laughs> that. <laughs> That's probably not right. Um. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the sincast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins we don't have jeremy with us today oh. jeremy uh, uh came up sick he, he pulled a hammy in his <laughs> in his in his digestive system <laughs> you gotta stretch first you, you know? do you do um but uh with with me as always is barrett share from music video sins hello everyone and joining us he was joining us anyway yeah but uh uh his third or fourth appearance on the show something like that somewhere around there we're not counting anymore he's been <laughs> on here so many times that's right uh is aaron dicer hey, oh hi there welcome that's right Thank you. i feel very welcome he's from say it say it uh sif pop podcast oh i wanted you to say sif pop oh sif pop there we go no, he's from sip pop yeah. and uh, your movie friend on youtube yeah uh and uh, a lot of you like aaron more than you like us so <laughs> That is nice. He has his own podcast. So it's, it's pretty it. yeah, he, yeah, you can go over there and listen to him if, yeah, you, right. if you don't like us. Yeah. Uh, but no, um, we're glad to have Aaron here again. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars right off the bat. Yeah. If I fall over, pick me up because I've got some things to say. Thank you for that smattering of applause. Run that clock, Jimmy. I want to get that ski jet or whatever that was. I've been wearing these shoes since 11 o'clock this mm-hmm. morning. How long have you been wearing your shoes? Since the Critics' Choice Awards. Oh. And, um... There were almost no surprises. In fact, nope. zero. Zero surprises. Yeah, what was a surprise? Can you think of anything that was a surprise? Mm, no. I, In fact, uh, Aaron uh, conducts a uh, an Oscar-like picking yeah. contest thing, and I had not entered it until like the day of. Yeah. You, you texted me, and you're like, hey, could you get this in? And I was like, I might be able to. And I just went with just my first impression on all yeah. of them and i nearly won that thing yeah i know you got <laughs> like picking all the high seeds in the ncaa yeah tournament, pretty right? much yeah do you yeah. like 21 out of 24 yeah, something like that? yeah yeah and i think where i probably stumbled was like short you know documentary short or something like that you know like, yeah i ended up with 19 but i picked two long shots purposefully mm-hmm. and so i knew that I, you know once it start go, started going chalk as they say i knew right. i was in trouble right um but yeah no there were no surprises this year at the oscar really i mean people are talking maybe about documentary like faces places maybe should have beat icarus mm-hmm. but i mean that's not a surprise it's just the documentary category i yeah. mean it can go anyway so what about best foreign film uh have, have you seen a dangerous woman yeah i have is it good? Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, a was fantastic it? woman. I'm right? sorry. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to go with it. Um, I mean, it's no piece of fruit in the cup. But, I <laughs> of mean, course, nothing is. I mean, it's from the same country. It's guys, from Chile. But... Guys, we have to stop comparing every movie to a piece of fruit in the cup. <laughs> I know. Because I know. you're just going to it's a losing battle. Um, but, uh, no, there wasn't really anything. Now, I was, I, I, this was the, I nearly missed this telecast and it would have been the first time since like 1986 that i've missed really yeah i've seen it every every year since then it's kind of super bowl it's the same way Mm -hmm. i haven't haven't missed a super bowl since super bowl 19 yeah so um but the uh the oscars like uh i i came in after allison janney had won and after um who else oh uh, sam rockwell had won he was the first winner or the first category yeah the whole prologue was about 
you know, women forward and me too and time's up. And then it was like, here's all our dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, all right. Um, so I came in after that. So I want, I was watching it at an Oscar party and I was like, just sitting there going, yeah, this is the same type of thing that happened uh, as last year where um i made them i made a mention that when something doesn't win screenplay it doesn't usually win best picture and in this year you had call me by your name and you had uh, get out when yeah. screenplays and shape of water was left out but I, I i think i made that same observation last year when uh when uh, moonlight didn't win i don't think moonlight won did it did it moonlight win a for screenplay, screenplay? I, I don't remember honestly i don't remember I'd have to either look. But yeah, it usually doesn't go that way. You don't get a screenplay nominated and like suddenly win Best Picture. It's it's like Titanic is when stuff like that doesn't happen. Manchester yeah. by the Sea was original, and then um, adapted screenplay was uh, was Moonlight. Okay, so maybe I said that, and then when La La Land won, yeah. <laughs> at the time, like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, like La La Land. One and then they had to go back and say no, it didn't. So yeah, even last year the best screenplay went to best picture. So, yeah, so uh, that's rare that you know. I mean, it's but not, Get Out had to win something. Yeah, you figure there it was did. enough of a fan base. Well, that, and and it's the reason why I picked it to win and Shape of Water. It's even though that there's that sort of. Uh, I had that sort of like locked in my brain or whatever. I still picked Get Out to win, mm -hmm. and I, and uh, and then for Shape of Water to win uh, Best Picture and everything. It's just this way it is. All these the momentum for these movies are impossible to stop a lot of time. Yeah, we could feel it when we were at the awards. I think you know I even leaned over to you after Shape of Water won. I just said you just feel the momentum for that mm -hmm. movie in the room. You can feel that people want Guillermo del Toro to win this year. Like it's. It's really interesting how that stuff happens. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with how nice of a guy he seems to be mm -hmm. and how film positive he is. Oh, yeah. And he's a great representation I for... I tell you what, as much as I have been down on a lot of the movies he's come out with, I really appreciate a guy like him. Yeah. And uh, and like I, it, it pains me because I want to love everything he comes me out too. with. Yep. Because of that very thing. Yeah. And and every time I see a new movie of his, I'm like, I can see your giddiness. <laughs> I just wish you would pay a little bit more attention to story and stuff like that. And then he does in Shape of Water, but yeah, I think that's that's definitely my favorite movie he's ever done. Oh yeah. Uh, by far, I like Pan's Labyrinth perfectly fine mm -hmm. uh in fact i think it's really really good mm -hmm. uh but i think this and this shape of water has its flaws for me but uh i think it's it's miles better than pain's labyrinth too. Hmm. interesting it was an interesting too i was thinking about the director's category mm -hmm. and uh, that that he won and if any of the other four had won like it, i would have been over the moon like what a, i mean mm -hmm. just any of those five and it's so weird to be like oh man guillermo del toro won because like i'm glad he won you yeah. know he's he's been doing good stuff so yeah. that was quite a well it was jordan peele greta gerwig nolan oh yeah christopher, christopher nolan, nolan yep. and then um who was the fifth uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got PTA, you've got Nolan, you've got Greta Gerwig, Jordan Pete, like all of those. I'm like, yes, that would be so yeah. fun to see. <laughs> yeah. And a couple of those guys, like Nolan and PTA, they're on that track of right? they're going to get that. They may get the Oscar for something they don't quite deserve it for. Get a Scorsese? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're on that. Because Nolan is like every year he's nominated for whatever he does. But this isn't new. I mean, Hitchcock never won an Oscar. That's so, true. You know, I mean, it's... You know, it's it's hard to get. 
It took a while, though, for Hitchcock, I think, to be really recognized though, yeah. as the director, as this great director. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I feel like Nolan and PTA are already considered legends. In some I think way. PTA is in that. Ca- I think Nolan actually fits the Hitchcock idea well mm-hmm. in that he's he is almost kind of genre ish you know he has his own thing that he does the way he plays with time mm-hmm. you know his his movies are usually big blockbuster movies mm-hmm. um so actually no one feels a lot like hitchcock in that way um that it that it may be relegated films that he's making um but i i think he'll i think he'll get one now eventually. don't get me wrong i don't think he should have won for dunkirk he probably should have won for inception because the year inception was was nominated that's when the king speech was. yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like i i <laughs> I'm just like you. You look at Inception and you look at King's Speech. Look at Inception. It's like it's like it's like I'm a it's like I'm a the optometrist. Yeah, it's the Beavis and Butthead Do America Butthead thing where he's like, I just figured something out. This sucks. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think the I think the probably the best moment that I saw was Francis McDormand getting everybody yeah, to that stand. Cool. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. It was also fun that she was like, Meryl, if you do it, everybody else will do it. You know, <laughs> well, uh, she sure seems like everybody's aunt, doesn't she? Yeah, she like does. Uh, you know, just no filter, no just out there and says yeah. whatever the fuck she wants. Luckily, she's saying things that are helpful and progressive in society. Mm-hmm. You know what's so genius about her speech was ending it with inclusion writer mm-hmm. because it's something that a lot of people aren't going to know what that means mm-hmm. they're going to have to google and it's something that's practical like you see a lot of these speeches where they talk about stuff and and they basically just throw their weight behind supporting an issue or those kind of things and she's basically saying look here's a practical thing that i'm encouraging you to do uh and you know throws out the phrase inclusion writer and everybody's googling what does that mm-hmm. mean and you know two days later michael b jordan is saying he's going to include an inclusion writer on all his movies and so I found that genius. Like I, I thought that was really smart for her to actually have mm-hmm, yeah. like practical application at the end of her speech. The other thing that uh, stood out, I think, from what I was seeing on social media, was the montages. I loved the montages. Me too, man. man. I, that ninety-year montage was so well put together. Yeah, like whoever edited that and put that to like hire them to do all of the montages ever because mm-hmm. it was just so nicely. I done. can watch. I can watch that stuff for like. 15 20 minutes straight yeah. you know just just keep those images and those sound bites coming because yeah i mean you're just reliving all that stuff it's mainlining nostalgia yeah, you know exactly. it really is it's just like yeah. you put it in me it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> indeed um but yeah so overall yeah this wasn't a, i mean it wasn't a great oscars by any means everybody who you thought were was going to win won mm-hmm. there were a couple of moments i guess but I mean, I, I guess also with the whole jet ski thing, we actually did have people were were getting through speeches faster. I thought that was fun. Like sure. I thought I keep doing that. That yeah. was kind of cool. Um, did I, you, I, I didn't ever read who ended up winning it. What was the guy? It was the um, costume designer. Was it? Yeah, guy I for Phantom remember. Thread. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I know he came out on it. Yeah, uh, at the end or whatever. But. Um, but yeah, no, I I'm a Kimmel apologist. I think he does a good job with these Oscars. Oh, I think I, so too. I think yeah. it takes a really particular you know person. A lot of people will be like, you know, oh, this comedian for host next year because they have a good you know spot before their thing. And I'm like, it's you can stand up and be funny introducing a category, but carrying a like hosting a show is there's some different skill sets there. Um, that not everybody has and you don't really know till you get up there but i think kimmel does it really well well yeah i mean it's it's funny because we consider chris rock like one of the best stand-up comedians of all time but as an oscar host 
wasn't quite no to the it yeah. was it become when it becomes your show rather than you being a host see that's exactly it yeah, yeah. there really has to, there's an unselfishness to it that that often is hard to even if you are an unselfish you know if you want to be unselfish sometimes it's hard to do when you're a performer because it's usually about you know look at me mm-hmm. i'm gonna make you laugh mm-hmm. you know those kind of things and yeah, I think Kimmel does it well. Yeah, I absolutely. do kind of miss the song and dance aspect of the the opening, though. Like, yeah, I but I like I wouldn't want Kimmel to force that. Like, no, no, that's no. Not I'm, his I'm thing. not saying that he yeah. would do that, but I do miss that aspect. Bring somebody else to do it. You know, mm-hmm. have Matt Damon come out and do something. You know, at the beginning. But like, yeah, I I still am a little bit nostalgic for the uh, Seth MacFarlane one yeah. where he came out and had all that because he's he's a performer and he's right. like you know a musician and uh, can really do those showstoppers and mm-hmm. same thing with Billy Crystal and that's yeah, why he got Billy Crystal was back great. so many yeah. times uh, but yeah I mean if you can either outsource that if you're Kemmel or bring in a host that can do more of that stuff another reason that James Franco and fucking Anne Hathaway didn't work yeah yeah you know? I mean, oh that was what is their skill bad. set they're not hosts right they're not musicians they're not you know whatever it's just two people standing there mm-hmm. and we're just awkward. and we're you know we're talking about white guys because white guys have hosted a lot of the oscars before but you know you look around it at, at even some of like the reality tv show hosts like i think of the the girl that hosts um so you think you can dance uh cat dealy like somebody Ooh. like that would be an incredible host she gets the idea of moving segments and you know delivering lines and those kind of things. It's the first time that show's ever been mentioned. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, I mention it because here's why I mention it because a lot of times people will be like, "Oh, you know, Tiffany Haddish, she'd be an amazing host. Get her up there." And part of me is like, "Yeah, that'd be cool. That mm-hmm. she's hilarious." Yeah, but I don't know if she has those hosting muscles. She might. Mm-hmm. You know, we can see, but um, but there are plenty of women, people of color, you know, who do have those hosting muscles, who are doing amazing things. You know, give them a shot. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so that's the Oscars, I think, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> a giant uh, man. Yeah, it it really is. I I, I just I don't know what the uh, the fix is for it, really, other than. Maybe just not have all these other award shows before well, Oscars. There's that, and I, I know that you can watch the Oscars like however long mm-hmm. it goes. I'm not really complaining about the length per se, but there were two sound awards given out: sound editing and what's the other? Sound mixing. Yeah, mixing and editing uh, that had the exact same fucking nominees. Yeah. yeah, and it was like, okay, I appreciate the work that these people do. And the same winner too, right? Same winner. I think so. Yeah. It may have been Dunkirk. Yeah, I think Dunkirk um, but both. It's like, do these really need to be televised? Mm-hmm. Like, you've got all of this technical stuff that was done the night before or whenever it was. Throw that stuff into it, or at least maybe just one of the sound categories. Those guys must have a hell of a union, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's the only reason I can think of that those continue to be on the Oscars. Nobody cares. Spend all that time on it and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even people in the industry that aren't sound experts probably don't care about that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I think that if you could move those, and I, I'm not saying like delete the category or anything like that, just move it to where they've got more space to do in their own little little area. I think you're going to get a, a better product that people want to watch. I think having these like in the first quarter of the show too, where people you're trying to gather some momentum, I think it just it just Hell, screeches to even, a halt. If you wanted to keep them televised, you could just like have the you know the guy over the intercom go hey welcome to the 148th oscars mm-hmm. whatever and then be like our winner for sound mixing and sound like and then they just come up there and they do it yeah. and then now you're host yeah you know? <laughs> that wouldn't be bad yeah, yeah exactly yeah i don't know they need to they have to improve the product 
the televised product. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I agree. What'd you think of a just a quick yes or no on the um, going across to the movie theater and interrupting Wrinkle in Time with the celebrities? Uh, I thought I, that was fine. I hate it. Really? You yeah. didn't like it? I hate it. First off, I don't. Okay, the people there to watch Wrinkle in Time don't care about the Oscars, right? Because they are watching a movie during the Oscars. <laughs> So yeah, but if Gal Gadot comes into my movie theater and hands sure. me a bag of gummy bears, that's a life experience. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Sure, sure, but it's a waste of time. I think overall. Yeah, I mean, I it was mean, just an excuse to get. It, it's a, a derivative of that selfie with all the famous people that Ellen DeGeneres yeah, did. Yeah, but even know? so, even that I'm fine with. As mm. long if you want to do something, stay in the theater and all that. That's fine. This walking over to another theater and like. You know, <laughs> We were we were just making jokes that the people watching Wrinkle in Time were like, "Oh, what is this shit? I want to see this movie," you know. And uh, did that happen when you guys saw Wrinkle in Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Arm, Army Hammer had a hot dog gun and everything. It was amazing. Oh my god! I think they're doing that for every showing. Yeah, I mean, I I nearly died being within a hundred feet of Gal Gadot. Just imagine what it'd be like getting gummy bears from Gal Gadot. <laughs> That's right. You'd have to excuse yourself. We're, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little. It's just you know ramping up there. All right, well, now that we've talked about the Oscars, you want to go on a road trip? Yeah, baby. On the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all, the road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Uh, so, of course, California last week. Good God, did we miss so many. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, my God. I was telling you last night they were playing Vertigo up on the, yeah. the screen. And I was like, that was the one that just kept coming to my mind for San Francisco. Oh, like, my God. And I, Vertigo. So and I just looked down at the floor. And, <laughs> yeah, I know. We missed it. We missed L.A. Story. We yeah, missed yeah. Falling Down. We I would missed have loved a- to talk about L.A. Story. Yeah, I know. I mean, LA, I mean, those were perfect L.A. movies, and we forgot about them. Mainly because it was so many other ones yep. that we had to go through. Oh, yeah. It's impossible. But, I, yeah, I, I, some, I think we had, like, I don't know, on Facebook, there was about four or five other people who came on and said, you missed this, you missed this, and that. And finally, at the somebody mentioned L.A. Story again. I was like, yeah, we bit off more than we could chew on California, <laughs> man. I don't know what to say. It could have been a two-parter yeah. or a three-parter. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, we're, we're beyond California That's now. That's right. That's we're right. going to Colorado. Yeah. We're going a little bit east. That's right. Something like that. But west from <laughs> Wagons here. East. That's right. We're going east from California, but west from where we're actually talking. Um, so Colorado, uh, much like uh, the state that we talked about earlier, Arizona, has mm-hmm. a lot of deserts, uh, desert movies and stuff like that. So there's a lot of that type of stuff. But uh, what immediately comes to mind when you when you see Colorado in the movies that are shot? The Shining. Yeah. Because when I think about Colorado, I think, well, now I think about weed just because right right you know, whatever uh but you think about the mountains and you think about that f- initial shot that kubrick is is going over the water and then follows up uh, to the torrance's mm-hmm. car and everything yeah and then you see that's how colorado becomes a character obviously the overlook hotel is a big character in this too mm-hmm. but i mean immediately right off the the bat you see this lush landscape this gorgeous like you know sensual imagery as they're going up to it and it's it's awesome. So yeah, that's, that's the immediate thing that uh, popped into my head when we I saw Colorado. Yeah, it's usually the mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's you know part of the incredible beauty of that area is the mountains, and brings us to another classic like The Shining, which is Cliffhanger. Yeah, um, <laughs> Cliffhanger. Man, I watched that movie so much in college. It was like, a phenomenon. It, was, it really it was. It's just kind of one of those movies that I don't know if it's Stallone's performance or what it is or if it's just the the crazy you know uh intensity that 
they're all playing these characters with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I don't know. There's something about that movie that's really engaging to me. So. Well, I mean, right off the the jump, it kills somebody. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that seems like, pretty intense. It does because, like, you think, oh, there's no way that this. Oh, she's dead. <laughs> yeah. We and you uh, see her go down. Like, my brothers and I used to always quote John Lithgow just because he had that one line in there where he's like, give me the fucking code. <laughs> and so like anytime we had anything with a code or whatever, we'd be like, give me the fucking code. Oh, um, my God. But uh, he's hilarious. He's in insane it. in that movie. Yeah, man. he really so is. So good. Um, and, and summer blockbusters, obviously all over the place. Independence Day was partly shot there as well mm-hmm. at the base there yeah, yeah at the base um uh i'm sure i'm i guess the whole like drive through the desert and everything yeah. and all that's colorado I mean, it could be you know any number of states but yeah, I think that's I thought, what it is though. isn't it supposed to be roswell though or area 50 51 area 54 is that the disco version of where we kept the aliens yeah i don't somehow mike myers is involved that's right uh i don't i actually don't know i mean i just know that it was some of it was shot there and i know i think it was supposed to be area 51 yeah 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 they they had to go because that's the whole yeah that's the whole thing because judd hirsch is like area 51 that's where you had the the, the alien there and all that you know um but uh, yeah, Independence Day partially shot there. What else, guys? Uh, Battlefield Earth was oh <laughs> was okay. set there too. I still haven't seen that movie. Are you serious? I'm serious. Is that purposeful? Like you're just like I'm never seeing Battlefield. No, Earth. I'm I, I'm sure I will see it, and I'm sure we will send it at some point. Um, <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah. Um. But uh, no, it came out. I was actually working in movie theaters when it came out. I think it may have been one of those that just slipped in during that one little period of time where I wasn't, but. It came out, and I, and I had heard so many bad things about it that I was like, well, I don't need to watch that. I remember seeing the trailer going, that might be decent. I don't know why, but I thought it... I, <laughs> it's sci-fi. Sci-fi yeah. always has a chance. Right, and uh, and then I just heard how terrible it was, so I never had the, the urge to watch it. And then, yeah, it's one of those that just fell by, by the wayside. It's so bad. Never had the... It meat. really is, man. Uh, so, yeah, they this is the year 3000 or something like that. Um, and Oh, I flushed all that after I watched it. <laughs> it's I, an L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard and, uh, of course, I know you John got Travolta. A, yeah, dreaded who probably, Travolta. That was probably his passion project or something to get that made. Yeah. Yeah. probably i'm guessing yeah i mean we'll probably find out later that uh it was all coincidence or some shit <laughs> well no i think <laughs> the, the strong scientology ties led him to really want to to do this but yeah it was a huge flop and it has a three percent uh rotten tomato score yeah. aggregate right now mm-hmm. uh which i think it earns i mean every part of this is just like the effects look awful i mean it was it wasn't cheap it was like 80 million dollars oh to, no it was to expensive three percent mm-hmm. huh uh-huh. who were those critics who are the critics that were like Battlefield Earth is a decent Armin movie? White, well, probably. Probably. Was he around in yeah, 2000? I'm sure he was. <laughs> if he wasn't, if he wasn't around then, he was like it was on his blog or something, and it somehow got on a Rotten Tomatoes, his school newspaper. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, but uh, another big classic, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, yeah, um, uh, came out uh, on that one. Don't remember too much about it, but that's obviously a lot of Colorado that's going on in that movie. Yeah. 
um and it's a big you know a big feature they're like on mountains and all this other type of stuff in it but uh jumping off cliffs jumping off cliffs <laughs> um spoiler alert that's right my, my research said the prestige yes. was shot a lot in colorado so is that where uh where the tesla headquarters I, that's what i'm guessing mm. i'm guessing that 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 whole forest stereo mm. snowy area that kind of stuff so we have i mean if it is we have to bring up the prestige yeah mm-hmm. yeah no the, the greatest uh, almost ever. everything that i looked up where it said this was filmed in colorado the prestige showed up in the yeah. list so it definitely has some pieces of it were shot there and everything mm-hmm. so that's i love that's, the way that area looks by the way oh like it's his gorgeous whole, his whole estate is just awesome yeah yeah and then you know you have you have stuff like and, and this is another thing that i've always i've wondered about is the conflict about what to bring up on these like yeah it was shot there but it wasn't based the movie didn't have the plot based there or whatever mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to go with them, I guess. Just, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, especially suppose. when you're dealing with these kind of states where there's not a ton. Yeah, and and I know that we we brought up a couple where people were like, well, that wasn't really shot there or whatever. Well, yeah, but it was set there, yeah. and I think that makes a... a oh, a, sure. That's a, that's a thing, but... Um, so, shot at a Colorado airport. I had no idea. Die Hard 2. Oh, shot really? at the Colorado airport and in subbed in for Dulles. Really? Yeah, I don't know if it was Denver or not. It's an airport that I think I read isn't being used anymore. Oh. It might it might be and they renovated it or whatever. I don't know. But hmm. yeah, that airport is in Colorado. That's nice. crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess they got the snow. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> guess I got There's it. some side of, sort of weird history with the Denver airport. There was there's conspiracy theories about it about oh, yeah? like the the way it's connected, I've got to look it up and uh, and talk about it the next time because there's my, my cousin is a big conspiracy theorist and he always goes on and on and on. Oh yeah, the, I think I've heard the this. Denver airport. Yes, I think I've heard. I won't this. say any more because I'll probably be wrong. But right. uh, yeah, or hunted down by the Illuminati, <laughs> one of the two. Keep your mouth shut, Barrett. <laughs> yep. Um, there there are a lot of classics like The Searchers mm-hmm. and Stagecoach that have been shot here um badlands terrence malick's uh early early movie was shot in colorado mm. um then there's another one that appeared on there a lot was uh like when i was going through all the research here woody allen's sleeper was shot in colorado that's interesting yeah you don't Do you remember it being set like I, formally set it was somewhere? i think it was formally set in colorado if oh. not i mean if not then he just went to colorado for no reason to shoot that movie <laughs> because uh, but I, I thought that was interesting to see that like was on there. I was like, really? He, sh- he went to Colorado to shoot that. And I guess he had a building there that he really wanted or whatever. So am I weird? You know how much I love Woody Allen mm-hmm. movies. I don't like that movie that much. Oh no. It's, it's an really? early, real silly. Yeah. You yeah. Know. No, yeah. that doesn't surprise me. But it's but it's always ranked like super high on his movie. Oh, really? List. Oh, yeah. I think that has to do with his career. I think that has to do with where that movie falls in kind of his becoming, you know, known and popular and, mm-hmm. you know, early in his career. So I think that's why it's looked at as a touchstone. Hmm. I'm guessing. Yeah, but. I guess so. I've never I've, I've gone back to it and been like, this is considered a, a modern classic. I need to, to check it out again. I just I can't get into it. Yeah, it's I mean, I, it might have been one of those for its day. It was, mm-hmm. it was uh, you know, groundbreaking or it informed us of what Woody Allen movies would eventually become or whatever. I don't know. Uh, he did some weird shit back. He then. He did, man. man. Uh, everything you wanted to well, know about sex, but we're afraid well, that's to the ask thing. his comedies before. I think it's before Annie Hall. Uh huh. 
I don't know if he, I don't, maybe there's something that bridges it in the middle there, but like all those are like straight comedies mm-hmm. and a lot of goofball, screwball type stuff, mm-hmm. almost parody type stuff all, all through that. And then all of a sudden he wants to be like a more serious filmmaker when he did Annie Hall, even though it's funny. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Was he, he, he was a stand up comedian before yep. he directed oh, yeah. movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where his, you know, that's where. Yeah. He, he was a joke writer too. Yeah. 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 Oh so, yeah, that makes sense. Um, also, uh, vacation was shot in Colorado, partly at least. The first one, yes, the or first the vacation. original, I guess I should the, say uh, the original vacation, and also Christmas vacation was shot in Colorado. Really, at least part of it, if not all of it. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it takes place in Chicago. Yeah, right? you would never think. Now, maybe <laughs> maybe a lot of it is in Chicago, but they had to do some. Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe when they're going to get the tree, that's in Colorado. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. that's where that is. But part of it shot in Colorado, at least. Interesting. Um, what else, guys? Did you see uh, anything that said because I mine said Indiana Jones: Last Crusade? Yeah, I was saw shot that. In Colorado a little bit. Mm. Never thought of that. Um, bowling for Columbine, obviously. Right. Yeah. Columbine being in uh, Colorado, I you know figure we could mention that. Um, yeah, that's about in the line of fire. You guys yeah. remember that movie? Oh, which part is in Colorado? I don't know. I there just is a saw... scene where John Malkovich kills two guys by a stream or something like that. That that's might it. be where it could was be. shot. Um, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. Well, actually, there's also. I think I ran past a thing that said it was shot at a city city center. Huh. So maybe they shot something. Some sort of like um, out in the town type thing hmm. there, but I don't know why you would go all the way to Colorado just to do that. So I don't know. But I yeah. love that movie. I do too. Man. In the Line of Fire. Yeah, yeah, no and doubt. I think it's super highly rated too. Uh, I came across it. Um, yeah, ninety six percent Rotten Tomatoes, seven point two on IMDb. Like I knew people liked that movie, but it seemed I didn't like know it, it was, was critically acclaimed. I didn't either. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty straightforward you know action thriller but i th- i guess it's because malkovich is so great he is so thing. good in that's that his movie star making performance oh, yeah, he's, he's been around forever and then that is what got him to be like everybody was like malkovich you know like yeah. everybody malkovich, yeah. malkovich. <laughs> and uh and but no in the line of fire is a good movie um it was a big hit back in 1993 mm-hmm. it was uh, i think it came out in like august of that year and, july uh, july mm-hmm. and uh it was uh it was it was it was pretty big. I mean, it was a pretty decent hit. 177 million. Yeah. It's pretty that's pretty good for a fucking like pretty taut thriller. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't realize it was that much of a commercial success and that much critically acclaimed because mm-hmm. I just I just remember really enjoying it. But it pretty much I this this came after Unforgiven, right? Mm-hmm. So Clint Eastwood had this like resurgence after the yeah. after Unforgiven. Like he's just taken off to the stratosphere, directing and acting. Yeah, and this is one of the rare ones a- after Unforgiven where he's just acting, mm-hmm. and it's Wolfgang Peterson who yeah. directed it. Um, and Wolfgang Peterson himself had sort of resurgence after this too, because then he did Air Force One, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, The Perfect Storm, and all that. I like his stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah, a fan. yeah, yeah, pretty solid. Um, he also did Never Ending Story and oh. Das Boot. Das Boot, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> How about, uh, what do you guys think about Always? <laughs> I haven't seen it since, like, 1990. I, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it maybe uh-huh. 20 times. Woo! Have you really? I love the movie. Mm-hmm. It is my wife and I's movie. Really? really? Yeah, it's our, it's our, you know, came out when we were starting to date and, you know, we used to watch it and watch some of it and then make out during other parts. And so it's it's our movie. So, yeah. I love this movie. Like, yeah. I, 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 
I shouldn't say love it. I really, really like this movie. And I think I, I, I got, like you, kind of emotionally attached that to it. That smoke gets in your eye scene uh-huh. is beautiful. Is, is, it's uh, gorgeous. Is, uh, is it Richard Dreyfus is like a ghost in this movie mm-hmm. or something? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. And like, uh, I, yeah, that's another thing. Like in the 80s, these movies were like just all over the place. <laughs> the, you know, uh, culminating with Ghost. And then I guess some, there was some more in the 90s too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the 80s, it seemed like this happened all the time. <laughs> ghost dad. Somebody, yeah, somebody, <laughs> somebody's like at the very beginning, they die. And then they like, they got, they got to go find the person that they were with and, and everything. But then Spielberg did this. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's emotionally effective. This is also Audrey Hepburn's final role. I was going to say, oh, yeah. I was going to mention that Audrey Hepburn She's was right. like the, the so. angel figure, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's, it, man. And it's I about like a movie. compelling subject. You know, these mm-hmm. firefighters in the, you know, putting out the, the, you know, the forest fires. I mean, it's, you know, I, th- I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Uh, also about Schmidt was shot a little bit in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, the infamous Kathy Bates nude scene, right? Yes, indeed. Was shot there. Um, uh, is it sad that that's what that movie is known for? Like, it I is. Guess so. I was it is kinda, sad. I was kind of thinking about, because when I, it's such a different Jack Nicholson performance, even yeah. after As Good As It Gets, that like I was turned off by it the first time I saw it. I was like, yeah. eh, you know, fine. But then when you go back and watch it, Alexander Payne, this is after election, right? Yes. Yes. And uh, so he's kind of like, getting his, his sea legs in there and there's such nuance to nicholson's performance in this like his relationship with his daughter and how you know that all reconciles and then ndugu is that the- yeah <laughs> dear ndugu um it's really good but no it's a it's a really good movie um it has one of the most emotionally impactful endings i've ever seen yep in a movie uh and uh yeah it is unfairly uh grouped in with this and 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 who cares grow up right, right. That's, my, that's, <laughs> that's my thing is like there's this whole sense of ooh kathy bates it's like yeah what, uh, we all have a body yeah like, it's exactly not, why you gotta be a junior higher about it yeah I mean, it's, and uh, and it and it's and it's perfect for that scene right. and everything. It's exactly. just it's purposeful. It, it's yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's come on, yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> just just grow it up. It is an it. audacious it is way to to present nude. I'm I'm glad Alexander Payne wanted to go there and that she wanted to go there mm-hmm. uh, because you never see nude scenes like well, this. And that's that's sort of his mo in a lot of these movies where he's he's very purposefully in, and I, and I think he said this in election. He's very purposely not, he sought out like actors and actresses that aren't the super beautiful and everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, I kind of get tired of that. Like we, you know, like we, we only, you know, apparently can only fall in love with really beautiful actors and all that and everything. And he always like picks and this may be an insult i was gonna say how do those actors and actresses feel <laughs> well, about except that? for george clooney I, obviously you know what? I, honestly i think these actors know where they where they stand oh they probably get you know this is the type that you're going to play this yeah. is the yeah. we need a motherly figure we need a uh, we had a grandpa or whatever we had uh, that interview with brian o'halloran and jason muse mm-hmm. where i was i was sort of like getting to the point that I was like telling telling him telling Brian O'Halloran, I was like, You've kept this independent spirit alive and everything. He's like, Well <laughs> he goes well, you know, if you're going to cast a movie, you're probably not going to cast me. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, and all that. So these actors know yeah. that where they stand on all this. I've heard Robert Altman also say this type of thing, too. 
And so Alexander Payne, I think, very consciously tries to get actors who look real, quote unquote, God or bless whatever. Him. And uh, that's why in election you see a lot of these people. They're not, except for Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got everybody's sort of like an average looking person or whatever. Even Chris Klein, they give him that giant knee brace, so he's not just like <laughs> fucking, yeah, you know, Chris Kleining all over the place. <laughs> exactly. And he, he like roughs up Jack Nicholson in this this movie mm-hmm. even more so. So I, I mentioned as good as it gets because that was his performance i think that came before this one yeah um where he's still kind of like the debonair dude even though he's damaged Mm -hmm. um he's he's definitely got like a slickness to his character and then this is just strips all that shit down Mm -hmm. where he's old and he's busted and he's emotionally raw and he's peeing all over the bathroom yeah yeah there's some that's it's unlike any performance i've seen him do yeah yeah and uh has that great moment where he meets the couple in the trailer and he tries to make out with the (laughs) wife and everything (laughs) and it's it's like just and it gets kicked out like after they had all this great moment these great moments and then he's like has to like fuck everything up and everything um uh uh, apparently beer fest uh, is in colorado yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the counterpart to to germany when they come back over to train and all that stuff yeah. they're in colorado <laughs> yeah uh man what a fun movie uh, man i love beer fest so much <laughs> that's this up is, there with with super troopers is my favorite broken lizard um, yeah I, I, there's only three <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, no, there's more it's than about that. To be, well, there's four there's, now. No, there's more than that. There's uh, there was uh, Club Dread, there was uh, Super Troopers, there was um, uh, there's one in a restaurant. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then there is um, well, now there's Super Troopers too, and, and Super Troopers too. But there's also there's a couple others, and then if you want to count Duke's Hazard in that, which is essentially oh, yeah. a broken lizard. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, beer fest is just one of those. It's, it's so fun. It is stupid as hell, but man, if you just go, I mean, this is one of those where you can literally do the thing that we hate people saying, take your brain out and just, (laughs) and just watch it. Yeah. Because because the visual gags are hilarious. The, the, the dialogue in between the conversations in between the characters are so, it's so fast that you can watch it multiple times and be like, Oh my God, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. 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 All right. What else do you guys want to talk about? Are we ready for South park? Uh, yeah, we are ready for <laughs> South park. Yeah. I was excited about this. That That's the second thing that I think of when I think of Colorado, mm-hmm. the shining and South park, because you know, the series has largely stayed in that community, right? I mean, they've gone out to, to wherever yeah. here and there, but they always come back to that. And, and so much so that, uh, the first song in South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, is about my mm. giant little redneck mountain town. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, it seems like the whole series and the and the movie is really trying to make that a character. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, South Park is uh, near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so it's, smart. It's as, it's as close to The Simpsons as far as my favorite all-time TV series as, as anything gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both have, this, I mean, obviously some similar qualities, but um man yeah south park is very smart like it's it, incredible what they do i they blow me away matt and trey how they put together these episodes like the week of basically i mean it's you know there's no tv show in production like it where they are i mean other than like you know a talk show or something mm-hmm. where they're getting all their content and putting together this animated show that's why the animation is so basic because they have to do it like the day before it goes on air yeah. so uh, I'm just I'm so impressed by 
by their brains. Did you yeah. see the uh, the documentary? No, I didn't. Man, oh, that would be fascinating. You must watch. Yeah, oh, it's so much watch. fun. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it shows where I guess it's Trey Parker that's got like a block, basically, right? And like Matt Stone is trying to like get him there, mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't really know how to, and he's like legitimately freaking out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to really put this, and then it cuts to like a random Bill Hader in the writers' room, yeah. just like laughing, which is the greatest thing ever. Uh, and then they turn around, they they make it work. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, definitely watch that if you haven't seen it because it's it's insane. It's mm-hmm. and you can see why there are some episodes where they didn't have everything planned out. Right. And they will admit it, you know, like there's an older episode where they uh it's I don't know if you've ever seen the one with the tooth fairy. Mm, don't think so. Uh the tooth fairy so they so the kids get the idea that they can go to other kids' houses and steal their teeth and and get get the money for the teeth and everything they put the put the tooth under their own pillow mm. they start doing that but then they find out that there's a, a, an actual like another group of kids doing this that have it all like they're like gangsters who actually <laughs> have it all all planned out and everything and um and so like they're basically competing for this in the in the meantime the b story is uh it's either stan or kyle I think it's Kyle who's reading a book about existence and whether or not we exist and all this other type of stuff. So like, there's this big like finale that comes to a head where like, you know, the gangsters and the kids are like, you know, they're, they're trying to get this valuable tooth and everything. And like, he suddenly like, Hey, maybe I don't exist at all. And he disappears <laughs> and, 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 and like suddenly just turns into this weird sci-fi thing. And like, even on the commentary, I think they're like, yeah, so we didn't know what to do at this point. We just, just went ahead and did it this way. And, uh, you know, it's uh, punk rock television. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's as close as you get to that. Let's make a thing. And, you know, every because everything else gets, you know, commercialized and corporatized and, you know, it's just two dudes doing all the voices, doing all yeah. the animation, you know, getting it all together. I know there's just something really organic about it that's, I don't know, I just find it really interesting. Yeah. How many seasons had gone by before they did the movie? Uh, so the movie was in 99, so I think three. Okay. 97, 98, 99. It was the sweet spot for sure. Yeah. Because whatever... You know, they were still restricted at that time. They couldn't even say shit on, yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on the show at this point. And when they took the governor cap off, you were thinking, or I was thinking, I don't really know how this is going to work. Are they going to be too indulgent in what they can do mm-hmm. versus uh, what they can do in the show? And they did it perfectly. They did it about that indulgence. They made the story right. about the fact that they can't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's fucking brilliant, man. I, I was literally rolling yeah. uh, when I saw this movie. Literally? Yeah, you're on the ground. I was on the ground. All right, there mm-hmm. you go. I was Just off the chair, sure. man. The commentary on that is fun too, because the commentary they have on the current version of this is uh, well beyond. Like it might have been 2010 or whatever when they did this commentary, and they were like, "I don't remember anything about this movie. I don't remember doing this movie. Really? Yeah. And they're like, "Can you?" And they're like, "Can you imagine doing a story where we don't have butters in it anymore? Like there's yeah. no there was no butters back yeah, then." Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's a lot of just things that they're like, yeah, this is back back in the day we did this and we just we don't remember anything about it. So it's one of those <laughs> crazy. I, I wish they had kept the mole around. Yeah. The mole never, yeah. I mean, he's dead. Right. 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 Uh, but that was one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just like this. Oh, my God. I it's know. So on the list, I also see City Slickers, but I guess it ends up in Colorado and mm-hmm. City Slickers uh, Cop Car, which is a movie that. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, we definitely need to keep reintroducing the people because that's a movie that's really good. I think that uh, you should see that if you haven't seen mm-hmm. Cop Car. Um, we haven't mentioned Dumb and Dumber yet. That's another. That's, yeah, it's uh, a big time. Going to oh, Aspen, yeah. man. They're going to Aspen. Um, <laughs> Do you like Dumb and Dumber? Yes. Is it Jeremy that doesn't like Dumb and Dumber? Jeremy does not. Do you like Dumb and Dumber? I love Dumb and Dumber. Man. I mean, once you decide that you're on board, it's kind of like Beavis and Butthead. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of decide that you're just going to be on board with these characters, it's so much fun. But how can you not be on board with Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey in that movie? I don't know. They are so perfect. When I first saw it, I was turned off because I was like, God, I mean, it's the same problem I have with Idiocracy, Mm -hmm. uh, where it's like they're just too dumb to where like you got to be able to do something you know but, but somehow some way the in the dumbness there is a there is some something smart behind it yeah. like just the way they they come across like that whole ending people quote that all the time <laughs> yeah you know the whole like it's like you know and then there's like the uh the well really, i'm really going through a whole bunch of stuff in dumb and dumber <laughs> right now i'm like sitting there going, so there's the part in the middle where jeff daniels like just when i think you can't get any dumber you do something like this and completely redeem yourself yeah. that's and, the end isn't it and that's um no that's With the bus no the bus is when um it, the bus is when they because uh, i think the redeem yourself is he gets the scooter Okay, I thought it was at the mm. end. It was the bus. The end but. is the bus with a Swedish bikini right. man comes by, <laughs> and uh, and it's like, yeah, we're looking for two like <laughs> massage boys or oil boys to come to oil us down for the competition and everything. And it's like we're wondering where you could find one. And and like Jeff Daniels, like he's like, go that way or whatever. And then like and then Jim Carrey's like, do you know what you've done? And he <laughs> runs the bus down and everything. He's he's like, so you gotta excuse my friend. He's a little slow <laughs> the town is that way <laughs> that's right yeah um, so good yeah it really is uh but misery yes is another that's another oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, kathy bates um uh misery's awesome we don't hear really talk about that much anymore it really is it's that, one of those it's it's stephen king he's in, so incredibly prolific that it just seems like Oh yeah, misery. You know, mm-hmm. one of the like the the most amazing films of that year. You know, doesn't even get talked about that much. Yeah, they, I, this is one of the rare times where I actually read the book before the movie, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, the when I saw the movie, I was like, man, this is really close. Like it's it? as close as it gets hmm. a lot of times. And the only thing different about it that I remember anyway. In, in the book Misery, you get to see the actual story that Paul Sheldon is writing in there and like how he's, you see, he, for whatever reasons, King indulges in you reading his actual thing. Right, that yeah, he's yeah, yeah. So in, in the movie Misery, obviously, you're not going to see a lot of that, but yeah. everything else is like pretty close. Wow. It's all about that hobbling scene, right, though? I mean, that's all, yep. that's, that's all everybody talks about. <laughs> yes, it is. It's Because it's best. incredible. I mean, the, the intensity and the tension in that. Uh, it's just does it show the the hammer actually making contact you with sure the would think it does I by think the reaction it does a, like like a super quick a right? really quick frame of it okay um this reminds me i may have even told this story before um in seventh or is it seventh or eighth grade a friend and i read misery and then we we had to act out a scene from the movie so uh i played i played annie wilkes uh-huh. and the other guy played paul sheldon and uh and so we in the book it's an axe and oh, so really? 
I brought an axe to school. Oh, shit. I didn't even, oh, no. think, didn't even think about it. <laughs> didn't even think about it. Didn't even occur to me that this could be wrong. Wow. I brought an axe to school, and uh, nobody else knew that I had brought an axe. I kind of hid it, though. Maybe I did know subconsciously <laughs> that I shouldn't do this. Uh, but uh, we I, we acted out that one scene where he cuts off where she cuts off his leg or whatever, and we, you know I I'm gonna miss obviously. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, are you were you planning on swinging? No, I with did the, swing with a real axe. With a real axe. Holy wow. shit! And we put on a strobe light and all this other type of stuff, and I pulled this axe out, and apparently a few people got real scared. Uh, well, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> this was, and uh, I, I had no idea, and neither did he. Neither the the friend. Oh man. Kids. And and we did it, and we finished it off, and everything, and then like afterwards, they were like, the teachers like, I didn't know that you had brought a real axe. Yeah. That's not not really cool i mean yeah. a for the project but you know uh you know you shouldn't oh, have done man. that yeah um so here's some write-offs i guess you'd be in jail if you did that today oh mm-hmm. yeah for sure man. for sure um uh, others i see on there are phantoms <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> just to have to bring that up did you ever see that by the way yeah i did uh, do you remember anything about it only peter o'toole saying no bodies no graves no blah 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 that's all i remember <laughs> I and I remember, uh, and of course, then the I think it's the commentary on Mall Rats that where that you the bomb and Phantom starts, and uh, and then it actually in the movie and Jay and Silent Bob strike back and everything. But in 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 Mall Rats, I remember the the commentary is like, all right, here's uh, here's Clerks Jay Muse, and he's talking and uh, and Kevin Smith's like. And now here's Phantoms, uh, Ben Affleck. <laughs> um, what else is on here? Jeremiah Johnson is one. Yeah, Jeremiah Johnson, another Robert Redford. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's that's one of those movies that you, I, I watched it at school. Did you ever see it in school? Mm-mm. It was one of those. I don't know that I've ever seen it actually. No. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's nice. It's about like the the mountain man life and how he gets by. There's actually a good chunk of it that's dialogue free, kind of like All Is Lost. So maybe that's mm. that's Redford's thing. Did you like All Is Lost? I loved it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I did too. Um, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, which is an, a movie I do not remember much at all. Okay, about. yeah, mm-hmm. I was wondering if anybody could explain I, that I movie. Saw yeah, it I, at, I saw it at the old Franklin Cinema. Oh, nice. Um, uh, back in the day, and uh, I only remember that Bashimi's in it, and he plays mm-hmm. like a like a hitman or something. I mm-hmm. think that's what he plays in there or whatever. That's all I remember about that movie. I remember, and it, it came on the that wave of Pulp fi- Fiction wannabes. Yep. And uh, that came out, and that was not good at all. Yeah. Um, uh, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. Uh, we got to cover our Seagal bases. Seagal and Catherine Heigl, who was like, yeah. I think, 17 or 18 oh, really? when that movie came out. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then you had Why Did I Get Married on here. <laughs> it uh, takes place in, in it, uh, yeah. Colorado. I think the I, – I, I, Believe it or not, I don't think I've seen the first one, but I have seen Why Did I Get Married 2. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Why Did I Get Married 2 is just awful. <laughs> um, and then there's not really anything else I see on this list. I th- well, Vanishing Point is one that I'd probably want to bring up. I think that pretty much. I mean, like Jack Frost, and we, yeah. we were talking about Dogville. Mister and Mrs. Smith came up, and yeah, I, I think we got pretty much. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. we're good until you know I go on Facebook and somebody is like, <laughs> you know, did you not know that Goodfellas was shot there? <laughs> Definitely has a Colorado vibe. <laughs> it does, to it. doesn't it? All right, so that's Colorado. Let's go on to Connecticut. Yeah. So Connecticut. Conne- yeah, Connecticut. Um, Connecticut sort of always fills in for like when they. 
can't do New York or yep. something. Right. And they, yeah, yeah. You know, they go to Connecticut or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, what are some Connecticut ones that stand out to you? What do you think? Uh, Strangers on a Train Ooh. Uh, was one that takes place a little nice. bit in yeah. Connecticut. And uh, since you know you didn't get to talk about Hitchcock last week with you know Vertigo being in San Francisco, <laughs> we, yeah. I figured we could at least talk about Hitchcock <laughs> a little bit with Connecticut. Boom, boom, um, boom, boom. That is that is one of my favorite. Uh, Hitchcock's yes. um, even even though it's one of the older ones it's just the performances are so great the concept is so simple and yet so amazing just the idea of doing someone else's murder mm -hmm. and uh it's just it's brilliant is it they're they're trying to murder each other's wives or is it the wives trying well, to kill the, the one of them is the crazy one uh -huh. and the one of them's just a normal guy who kind of gets roped into it because the crazy one not to spoil everything but the crazy one does his part ah and thinks that he's agreed to do the other part and he hasn't. And mm. so then he's coming after him, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And it has so. that great, uh, that great image of, uh, at, they're at the, uh, us open. Yeah. And, and everybody's heads are following the ball going back and forth, except for his. Yeah. Who's looking straight at the guy. Yeah. And, uh, I love that stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. like in Ocean's Eleven when everybody turns to see the explosion, except for Clooney. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah, got yeah, those yeah. glasses. Those shots <laughs> yeah. are always awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's got a beautiful shot of the, the strangling too and the reflection of the girl's glasses. Yeah. Hitchcock was just, he, he loved using the camera in interesting ways. So mm -hmm. some of the stuff he did on the carousel, there's a huge, you know, carousel scene at the end. Um, it's just incredible when you look at some of those shots to think about how he would have had to have done them at the time, you know, especially there's so many mechanics that filmmakers can use now to, you know, produce those kind of stuff or they can just do it in post and digital or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's, he's doing all this stuff, you know, back then. So that was the fifties, I think. Yeah, um, I think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the, one of the few classic movies I got to actually run at one point. Oh, nice. Uh, and it was a uh, reel to reel too. Uh, when we got it, and I was I was in New York at the time. The uh, they showed a special uh, showing of Strangers on a Train, and they they said very specifically, you cannot platter mount this because they worry about scratches and stuff like that. Which is it's weird. You can't platter mount it, so because they're worried about scratches. But this these reels have been taken to so many different project projectionists and projectors and whatever the 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 uh, practice of cutting one frame off of of a reel so that you can see what it is when you break it back down and everything is a common practice but like everybody like <laughs> if you're okay so the lazy projectionists out there instead of just keeping that one frame after the first time it's ever cut mm -hmm. kept cutting additional frames oh shit so like the there were like eight or nine frames still cut off <laughs> that you could see because they they just taped them back oh, on wow that's whatever interesting. and i was like if you're gonna worry about scratches you certainly <laughs> should worry about that too i mean that what yeah nine frames is only like a third of a second but still i mm -hmm. mean it, it's it, something it can be it can be jarring at times um Robert Walker was uh, the guy that played Bruno Anthony in that, and he is just so good in that villain. One role. of the oh. rare movies where he didn't use like a like like real famous actor. Like he usually yeah. was Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart or somebody right. like Grace that. Kelly. Yeah, and Grace Ingrid Kelly. Bergman. Yeah, he. Uh, so the Hunt for Red October shot in around Connecticut. At least the, I think I think the actual like naval base is where huh. it was shot um uh this is one that came up several times during the what's been shot in connecticut uh thing that i was uh going through 
And uh, I guess a good bulk of all the underwater stuff was shot in Connecticut or around the naval mm. base. And that we, we, we definitely have to bring that one up. Mm-hmm. That's an all time favorite yes. in this room. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Uh, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't obviously have anything that says this is <laughs> based in Connecticut. <laughs> well, know? that's a weird thing about Connecticut is that, you know, I mentally before I even started doing the research, I was like, oh, what is definitely set there? Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can think of was Mystic Pizza. Oh, because yeah. Because the only thing about think about Connecticut is Yale and New Haven mm-hmm. and it being basically suburban New York. Like in, in every New York story, you hear like, well, you know, I'm going to retire or I'm going to get married and move up to Connecticut and have kids and a mansion, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's kind of you know fairly or not that's kind of how it's portrayed is this kind of offshoot of of new york city mm-hmm. yeah yeah christmas in connecticut right isn't that that was the only thing i could i haven't even seen it but christmas in connecticut isn't that a both movie? versions and yeah. i was shocked i should know this but i was shocked to learn that the remake was directed by arnold schwarzenegger really <laughs> holy crap this yes. makes the whole road trip worthwhile <laughs> yes, that's does. amazing information <laughs> That's I awesome. swear to God, 1992. Wow, Schwarzenegger. I don't know how great. many movies he's directed, but it can be a long list. Can you imagine being directed by Schwarzenegger, <laughs> especially in 1992? Oh, yeah, oh my goodness. goodness. <laughs> you know, we're gonna do another take. <laughs> yeah. You go stand over here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I would give anything to see footage of him shooting <laughs> that movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, do my movie Christmas in Connecticut. <laughs> Well, there's also a haunting in Connecticut, which mm-hmm. apparently was shot in Quebec. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As one does when you make haunting <laughs> movies based in Connecticut. Like, I always wonder, like, I understand a lot of times it's tax breaks and Canada like offers a lot of the tax breaks and everything, but you really couldn't shoot that movie in Connecticut because of the tax. <laughs> like, maybe there wasn't a tax break. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> or there wasn't a location you didn't want. I don't know. But, um. Uh, another another one, uh, Revolutionary Road was shot, I think, okay. or based in Connecticut. Revolutionary Road, the DiCaprio, mm-hmm. Kate Winslet, uh, marital trouble. Let's do a Jeremy description. <laughs> <laughs> what a what an emotional fucking movie yeah. this is, man. Yeah, you're not really prepared, and like I guess Sam Mendes had done it with American Beauty, mm-hmm. but not really to but, this depth. Well, the one, I mean, there's not. And not a lot of humor balancing it out. No. Michael Shannon is as close as it gets to humor in that movie. <laughs> Which is bizarre. Yeah. You don't think, look at that guy. It's no. Humor. Yeah. Um, uh, also, Courage Under Fire was shot partially in Connecticut as well. Uh, oh. I'm guessing a lot of the neighborhood scenes and stuff like that, especially with Denzel in the car drinking as he does, <laughs> as he does in that movie Denzel. quite a bit. Um, Die Hard with a Vengeance, the highway scenes in Die Hard with a Vengeance were shot in Connecticut. Hitting oh. all the Die Hard states. That's yeah. right, man. Nice. Uh, and, and oh, another one that I was surprised was Righteous Kill was shot in Connecticut as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a dumb fucking movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Indeed. All right, what else? By guys? the way, we missed Die Hard in L.A. Uh, too. <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> Just to give a mention. Another big L.A. movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, How do you guys feel about A Mighty Wind? Oh, I love a mighty one. Yeah, my research said that that was shot. Yeah, in, it was a uh, Mohegan so. Sun, I believe, yeah. shot in the yeah. in Connecticut. I yeah. think that might be. Maybe I'm missing something. I think that might be, in my opinion, Christopher Guest's last really good movie like after that no, everything is kind of missing I, and i wasn't a big fan of a mighty Wind. you weren't even a fan of mighty Wind. no I man like, that last concert almost makes the whole thing worth it yeah, it's also no, so good it, that is good but uh, everything else i, yeah. I was it left me wanting uh, a lot more on those but 
but yeah um did you I like would, best in show yeah best in show came after waiting for government he's yeah, still yeah, in yeah. that he's still in the zone yeah. then um but yeah mighty win like uh, and and for your consideration was another one though i like, didn't eh. get for your consideration much at all no, really, really the only thing that made me laugh in that was jane lynch because mm-hmm. she was just just really funny in that yeah. but like um but yeah i didn't like that in like mighty wind but uh best in show and uh, mighty wind is more is much more i think dramatic than his regular yeah comedies, he was like going something you f- going for something with that relationship and i think it works yeah uh, I and think even the stuff's really heartfelt the the, the the last concert with the mighty wind is blowing it's blowing equality or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that mm-hmm. um where it's like an actual like he really has a lot of input into this music and it's like engaging folk music that yeah. they're like yeah you know, of course there's some absurd stuff in there but uh yeah there was a lot more has, weight than i that i it thought has some it authenticity be. to it that i wasn't expecting you know like they kiss at the end of the rainbow stuff and the mm-hmm. the song itself even i was just like oh that's good stuff like you know that feels like it could have been a real song yeah and a real story you know from the folk days but mm-hmm. yeah you know you guys remember the folk days right I oh, do. of course the good old folk days. i had a folk period in my life <laughs> don't we all yeah <laughs> um there are a couple of big classics although all about eve has got like a smidgen of connecticut it's not really like a lot but it it does have like i guess a couple of shots connecticut uh your 1950 best picture oscar winner it's awesome um yeah it's a great movie uh and bringing up baby which was came out Mm -hmm. in 1938 the cary grant and uh catherine hepburn movie um he what is it he's taking care of like a pet leopard yeah, it's or a leopard like. yeah <laughs> Bra- baby is a leopard yeah um that that that's the old screwball stuff man like everything in it like it, it's not really ultimately my type of movie yeah like i get to the point where i'm like god this is so annoying <laughs> like all these things that keep happening but still I, I i appreciate it and everything it's still it's still funny in that 1938 way you know yeah but that's shot all over Connecticut, mm-hmm. I think. That's like pretty much all over the place. Yeah. There, so, uh, what else, guys? What about Beetlejuice? Yeah, Beetlejuice. That's what about probably Beetlejuice? the the biggest. Like, I, I can once I knew that it was set there, like it clicked for me. I was like, oh yeah, that seems very Connecticut because mm-hmm. they moved from New York. Um, this is their dream house. Alec Baldwin and uh, and Gina Davis. This is their dream house and everything. And then the family comes up and, and screws everything up uh what a fun ass movie yeah. this may be the most fun i've had in a tim burton movie yeah um, i think so ed wood is better um but i think this is the one that i probably watched the most actually yeah just pure fun mm-hmm. yeah beetlejuice is probably his best mm-hmm. uh for sure now i guess yeah i mean i guess i don't know how much connecticut really factors in yeah because it's all at the, at, yeah, it's about mostly the house, inside yeah. the house but yeah still i yeah. mean yeah um Oh, part of the Good Shepherd. That's a movie you don't hear very often. <laughs> um, the The Good Shepherd. I, I remember in liking that movie. Yeah, but it's it's got a lot of problems in it. Like it's very it, dense. Yeah. Um, but I just I remember really liking it, but it just wasn't like it wasn't something that I was just like it infected my soul or anything like that. But De Niro directed it, and uh, Matt Damon at the height of his Matt Damonness. <laughs> was in that there's a crazy cast with this yeah there's a million people yeah matt damon angelina jolie uh did i call him damon yeah yeah damon <laughs> matt damon angelina jolie Dameron. matt De Niro, damon <laughs> alec baldwin william hurt joe pesci john turturro billy crudup uh michael gambon uh timothy hutton 
um, Lee Pace. Yeah, I mean, there's just a ton of people. A, yeah, in this. A lot. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, a ton of people. Um, it's it's long. Yeah, but uh, I remember. I mean, I like those those like secret CIA type movies, man. It's just one of those type of things. Oh yeah, because he starts off at Yale. He's a professor mm-hmm. at Yale, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Good stuff. Yeah. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Uh, Aaron, you got any others? Um, well, we haven't talked about the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> we have not. <laughs> you are correct. And we can continue was, not talking was, about it. I was it, hoping so. to avoid it. No, no. What? Uh, what what's the in there? Like it's a. Oh, I don't know. It was just in the list I of think, the ones I no, saw. I, think, so I like, ran across it, and I think they said that there was like some like little town that they shot or a college. Yeah. I think Yale is is uh, substituting for whatever other college is in that. I bet that's what is it is in that movie. Um. Uh, then there is um, the Ice Storm. Ooh, yeah. it's another movie. That's probably that I, the big one. That's a movie that I feel like we haven't discussed enough on this podcast. I love me some Ice Storm, and it's very Connecticut. Like yeah. it is a, like I mean, just you know the, the all the weather issues and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff they do. With, I mean, it's obviously set in that area. So there's a scene in there where Sigourney Weaver is talking to Christina Ricci, and she's like said something about. A little girl must go out into the woods and blah, blah, blah. Some saying or whatever. Yeah. Next scene, Christina Ricci's walking through some woods. Yeah. You know, like it's it's that type of that type of thing. Uh, I, yeah, man, I love that movie so much. I haven't seen it in forever. Yeah, but me too. I need to revisit it. It's one that I need to, yeah, I need to start watching again because it's, uh, it's so good. It'll make you a little bit uncomfortable, though. Yeah, it will. It's, well, I mean, yeah. it's got dark, it's got dark <laughs> yeah. subject matter for sure. Um, uh, it's uh, Kevin Klein and Sigourney Reaver. They're together, right? <laughs> everybody's uh, together. Yeah, they're, 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 that's the thing. Everybody's that's together. The thing. There's a lot of cheating going on, and there's yes. Toby Maguire. And- <laughs> <laughs> there's elijah wood yeah yeah um martha marcy may marlene hey there you go uh is another is another one although i think that one may be more set in connecticut than is shot in connecticut well so she and the cult are in the catskills which is just outside there it's in the new york part of the catskills yeah but then she ends up going to her aunt's place either at the beginning or at the end I, uh, or her sister but or i think even the stuff that sh- they shoot at the aunt's place while they say it's connecticut is is in upstate new york oh uh, okay i think mm. but it's still considered connecticut yeah. it's set in connecticut and everything what do you think about that movie i haven't seen it never so, seen it no when's it when's it uh when's it from uh this came out in 2012 maybe? somewhere around, somewhere there. around okay. there uh right. this was elizabeth olsen's sort of coming out yep. uh movie and she's good in it i don't know if i like the movie well i mean it's not it's not a comfortable watch no i, I like the movie a lot i think uh the themes she gets involved with a cult and basically is just okay mind controlled by this david koresh type of guy um and it's it's very affecting the performances are really good she's excellent in it. yeah she's really uh, good check it out yeah it's it's uh, interesting came out in december of 2011 so it was around okay. that around that area but uh yeah it's it's definitely not comfortable subject matter so you got a you got a cult uh it's a cult uh figure movie like a david koresh mm-hmm. type of person or whatever and uh 
and yeah and of course his, his thing is like you know free loving and yeah. uh and but it's it's more like drugging them and mm-hmm. all that type of stuff and it's yeah it's not comfortable at all but it is very dreamlike and very yeah. it's an interesting movie to watch i don't know if i ended up liking it in the end mm. but but uh she's great in it that's another that's one if you're an elizabeth olsen fan you yeah know, you gotta see that what else uh holiday inn has got to be on your oh, list right yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah and not the chingy song that's right <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I've seen this one. Holiday uh, Inn? Yeah, I don't know if I have. Oh, man, this is great. This is Bing Crosby, and who's his counterpart? Is it Fred is it Astaire. Dan- Fred Astaire, yeah. Oh, it's great. This yeah. is like up there with White Christmas. For, of course, the song White Christmas came from Holiday Inn. Yeah, it's, that's the, the weird little trivia thing is the song White Christmas doesn't actually come from the movie White <laughs> yeah. Christmas. It comes from Holiday Inn. Oh, man, it, I used to watch this movie with my grandmother all the time. She'd mm-hmm. have it on VHS, oh, and nice. she would just cackle. She just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And it's cool seeing, because you think about White Christmas, but it's it's about all the different holidays, and they'll have like an Easter thing, and the Holiday Inn is in Connecticut, and it gets a lot of people from, from New York to come up and visit. And Bing Crosby has, I've got a soft spot in my heart for that guy, mm-hmm. man. He's, yeah. he's got some, some really, really beautiful old movies, and just a great voice, mm-hmm. and this is one of my favorites. Well, Astaire as well. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, has he's so, and he's kind of a revelation too. And we think of kind of the transition between, you know, cultural genres like music to movies as being a modern thing. But you know, I mean, that's what was happening there too. With you know, guys like Astaire going into movies and doing great Frank stuff, Sinatra, and Sinatra, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So yeah, um, I see that Rachel getting married was shot here. Mm-hmm. I have never, I've never seen that movie. Oh have really? You? Have you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I, this is Anne Hathaway being like a total <laughs> asshole, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, she's fresh out of. I guess she's good with these like kind of addiction type of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's fresh out of rehab. Matter of fact, I think they let her out of rehab just so she can go to this wedding, and she makes a mess out of everything. Um, and it's really, you know, I, to this point, I don't remember what she had been in, but I, I think this one was kind of like her breakout. I'm an actor type of performance mm. because before this she was, you know, princess diaries, I guess was the big one that she was in. Yeah. Um, and it was more of like, she's pretty, but now she's actually got some chops in this and mm. she's completely unafraid of being an asshole in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. Revels in it. Yeah. It's one that I've always wanted to see. And then I just, I've, it's just fallen by the wayside and I've never seen it. Uh, I see that the ref also shot yes. is, was it shot here? What was it? It, shot takes, it takes place there. It takes place there. That is another like underrated gem. Yes. Ted Demi directed this one. Uh, Dennis Leary comes in. It's like a home invasion. And yep. he is so great in that movie. <laughs> he is. He is <laughs> so funny. Yeah. And he ties up Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis and, and they're having marital troubles. Yes. And they hate each other. They hate each other. Um, but like their, their experience together sort of makes them warm up to each other again and everything. But, uh, yeah, there's a part where, (laughs) where they're tied together and they're trying to get loose when Dennis Leary's in the other room. And she's like, is it, is, is that? And he's like, that must be the friction. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. It gets to, it gets taken to absurd levels by the way. And then there's like three or four parts in here. Uh, Dennis Leary's counterpart is like basically his foil that he can do his patented rants on and he lets it loose and it's just it's awesome. that was what was funny about Dennis Leary in this time period this 93 to 95 area like there was always a point 
where they were going to let him do his rant. Yep. So it was like Demolition Man, he has a rant. <laughs> and uh, what's so some other movie that he gets? Oh, a Judgment Night, he has a rant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Judgment <laughs> Night. <laughs> Judgment Night. It's like they always like, like, it's like they wrote the script and like, I don't know if we'll get Dennis Leary or not, but if we do, here's a blank spot for him to do his like MTV style rant, you know. Um, uh, side effects. Yeah. Uh, part of that shot in Connecticut. Oh. Does yeah. anybody ever talk about this movie? No. No. They should. I love this movie. I, do I too. think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounded like Tony the Tiger there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's I think there are several Soderbergh movies that just kind of get, you know, put behind in yeah. in in don't yeah. people don't get I think Haywire's the same way. You yeah. know, they're just they're they're great little films and for whatever reason they just don't rise to the public consciousness. I think Side Effects is one of those. Yeah. Uh yeah, for sure. And and, and that's a that's a movie that uh God you it's got a kind of like a mystery to it. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. And, There's a and, mystery that you don't even know is happening. Yeah, really. right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's another. I think that's another good like. Connecticut's filled with movies that I'd like to recommend today. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, like if you haven't heard of or have seen this movie, you need to take a look at oh, it. Oh, man, it's, it's really good. Um, also, The Stepford Wives. That's a big yeah, one. That is very Both of them were shot. But the, the, the old one, which I don't think I've ever seen, actually. Right, right, and right. I've, I have unfortunately seen the Nicole Kidman one. Yep. Which is not very good at all. Christopher Walken. Who is the guy in that? Matthew Broderick. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah the the uh, that I you know what's weird? I get that movie and Bewitched confused a yeah. lot because they came out I think around the same time, and like and so when you bring up Stepford Wise because they're both remakes, mm-hmm. they're both shitty, <laughs> and uh, and like and I always think oh well, Stepford Wise oh yes yeah, Will Ferrell right, right. now it's Bewitched. <laughs> um, uh, Stephen King's Thinner also shot and uh, yeah, what a wild movie. Thinner. <laughs> Michael Constantine before his My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, uh, yeah. Famous uh, bump, I guess. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that we want to talk about uh, from Connecticut? Uh, yeah, I don't really see anything. I don't right know if anybody's away. seen The Skulls. I have. Yeah, I saw Pretty The Skulls. Shitty. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing to There's not much to it. Yeah. That cool. was, uh, yeah. Was that That's about Joshua the Skull and Jackson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a there was a period of time when New Line Cinema would come out with uh, th- th- all these movies were like this: mm-hmm. The Skulls, Final Destination, Boiler Ro- Boiler Room isn't really like those movies, but there's a feeling to them yep. that their New Line really just like, and it, it's a it's a wonder during the same period of time they were coming out with the Lord of the Rings trilogy, yeah. <laughs> and 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 then like like well our our side pieces are this you know and it's like. Uh, man it just <laughs> just where, where did that come from yep. like let's let's green like lord of the rings and the skulls and final destination <laughs> and boiler room um i'll go to bat for final destination though no final destination is good yeah uh that's the yeah. uh, I, I may have told this on the podcast before but uh final destination is the movie where like when the girl gets hit by the bus one of uh the projectionists i knew back then in hollywood 27 days went over to the projector and cranked the volume all the way to 10 all the way when the bus hit and then turned it back down oh, man. oh jesus yeah he was dirty um, <laughs> well so those are that's uh, colorado and connecticut yeah we went on a really long road trip there that's a really long we passed some hike. states on that's the right. way to that uh, right. but uh anyway uh so we uh, we're gonna go into our rants I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Let's do it. Aaron, you want to start? 
Yeah, I actually I had one that that I sent sent you guys, but then I want to do one about the Oscars because it really bugs me that voting isn't public. Mm. And I don't even and I don't even mean that we have to know who voted for who, mm-hmm. but the idea that we can't know how much Shape of Water won by or how close Get Out was yeah. or all those kind of things. Every other big voting thing other than movies, like I don't even think the other movie awards do it. But like, you know, in sports, it's gone public. You can see, you know, how much the MVP beat the next one by. Um, The only argument I can think against it is you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, you know, if they didn't get any votes or something. And that just seems really silly for a bunch of grownups, you know, like you got nominated like that's a huge deal. So Mm -hmm. I just especially for the big categories, I really don't understand why we don't know how close it was also especially because and this is a secondary part of the rant i the voting system is so weird mm-hmm. with especially best picture where and i think the other categories may be like this as well but i know for sure best picture if you're uh if no movie gets more than 50 percent of the vote which is very likely considering there's nine nominees or whatever then they will actually start dropping off the lowest one and redoing the percentages and then adding like the second place votes moving those up, you know, kind of moving the votes up based it's on like what a, gets dropped like a runoff in a Yeah, it's a weird kind of runoff kind of situation. So because the voting's a little strange anyway, mm-hmm. I would love to know how that worked out. You know, what if Get Out actually had the most percentage votes, but because of the way the voting system works, it ended up being something else that leapfrogged it because it had more number twos. Oh, that's you know, interesting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So might also be a way that they can get viewers, too, is by showing the actual tallies yeah like like, yeah even use it on the broadcast if you want absolutely and just and you may you may like i don't know how you would do it either you would just announce the winner in the in the uh at the the whatever you're wherever you're hosting and then backstage show it or whatever or you know you could just show it on stage with you could these are things that would be more engaging than seeing sound mixing and sound that's correct (laughs) you could do progressive elimination you could get down to the end of the show and only three movies be left oh yeah you know what i'm saying that would be fantastic like you're like like like, sorry this one this is a great movie right like like they come out and they just like all right here is one of our nominees tonight and they go through the whole thing yeah and then they're like unfortunately this yeah. one has been uh, or even say as begin with in a ninth you know in ninth place the post yeah love this movie here check it out you know kind of thing mm-hmm. and yeah or you know even do seven through nine or whatever you know but then get to the end and maybe you even just have two you know mm-hmm. you just got get out and shape yeah. of water left at the, i mean that seems more exciting to me and i think it seems more interesting to know those things or you could even hidden. you could even say two of these three movies are are gone mm-hmm. and then go to another group and two of three and then another right. two of three and then announce which one's out yeah. of those group. Yeah. You could really do a lot of cool stuff. Absolutely. Well, okay. Let's be the producers of the Oscars <laughs> next year, Aaron. All right. I'm game. I'm game. It's like Oscars produced by CinemaSins and Sith Pop. Well, what you've, what you've got is if you're keeping it anonymous where you don't have to know that Spielberg voted for, you know, get right. out or That's whatever it is. That's a secondary thing. Yeah. So you, you don't need to do that. There's no reason why that that information shouldn't be public. I don't at think this point. so. I can't think of any reason. Mm. Seems like a good idea all around to me, but No, yeah. It would be awesome. I I want to see the next Oscars. Like I would be so gripped on that. I know, were, right? Yeah. Oh my god. See now. See now. <laughs> this is a great idea and and someone needs to run with it, yes. you know? Um 
All right. So my my rant is is sort of based in in some sort of experience, and also my new experience is not being in a movie theater, working in a movie theater anymore. Working at a movie theater, the biggest thing that annoyed me, uh, as far as how corporations deal with renovations and things like that are that they don't plot it out very well they when we got our digital projectors back in the day in 2011 i believe it was we were supposed to get those things during a down part of the season which makes a lot of sense you don't want to like you know shut down during like you know a big a big tentpole type of movie uh, as it turned out our our uh, our digital conversion at Hollywood 27 happened on the week of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. And <laughs> it was part 2, wasn't it? Uh it or was part 2, uh, yeah. I think. Yes, it was. And um while it went okay because not only were the technicians who came in amazing at what they do, but I'm amazing at what I do. <laughs> and let let's and let's I can't emphasize that enough. <laughs> really I, hammer that last I am fucking amazing at what I do. Uh, we got all those Harry Potters on on projectors for the midnight show, and we I mean the last ones were coming in the day of. That's crazy. Of of Harry Potter, or at least the the day before or whatever, and the way they did it also with like you know the, the way the computers are set up they not all they don't all talk to the projectors right away so like i had to go around and like in individually install harry potter on all these projectors oh. and so on and so forth instead of just pressing a button and going all right and that's uh, it's all done <laughs> um so i didn't i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of that uh you know if you're going to do a digital conversion it should be it should be like all right we're it's it's april or it's february or something like that although this february you know with black panther and all that would have <laughs> not been... february 2018 yeah <laughs> yeah uh but uh you do it during that now i understand you also have lots of theaters and you have only so many people that can go come in and do these things so there are going to be some theaters that probably are going to run into big movies and everything like that are going to be on the schedule but not as big as our theater was mm -hmm. if you're if an eight screen i get it just do it you can do that in a day almost with the the crew that you had with 27 you couldn't do that and that, and that was just um unbelievable right now uh aaron and i went to our my old theater uh last night hollywood 27 is had you been there before i have but it was a long time ago mm. um it was when jeremy was still working oh, okay. um well i was that the one jeremy was working at mm -hmm. with you yeah yeah i think it was that one when jeremy was working there we went and saw um uh, deep blue sea so oh, that'll yeah. give you, that that'll was give 99 99 holy crap so. I, so i was there during that time yeah um uh so hollywood 27 is going through all the renovations that have taken place on all the other theaters they're putting the recliners in and they're even putting in this stuff now where there's like uh subwoofers in the seats or something like that oh yeah, yeah. vibrates and all it's that. like the real d experience or something uh, like that i don't know they had some sort of like uh branding name for it <laughs> last night i called it butt blasters that's probably not <laughs> <a> <laughs> it's probably not right um <laughs> i've seen that movie <laughs> exactly <laughs> me too um but uh they're renovating now and i think they started off with they had 16 auditoriums that they were renovating all at once. So they, Hollywood 27 was really Hollywood 8 at mm -hmm. the time. Now they're Hollywood 16. But again, they're, they have taken out all of the big, the really big auditoriums. 
games, which means that they're playing Black Panther on like some of the smaller screens and stuff like that. And that movie has just done so much gangbusters that like you not being able to use the ones in the back, the 15, 16 and 17, it's like it cripples your theater when you do mm-hmm. that. And I don't, I, I understand like maybe wanting to do stuff in order or whatever. And you need to kind of block people off because you don't want people walking in and like stepping on nails and like, you know, having stuff fall on their head and all that. <laughs> but it, you could at least take out just one of the, like the way Hollywood 27 is set up, you could take out just one of those big theaters and then take off a side and not like the entire hallway yep. and everything and just get those done. And then once those are open, close off the other part of the hallway. Instead, they've got 15, 16 and 17 all gone. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, they're all, it, it's come on. You gotta have to come with a better plan when you're renovating theaters. I think it's like this. road construction, right? Like they don't close the entire road. Usually they'll work on one side of the road and then, you know, move traffic yeah. over to the other side and then work on the other side of the road, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Just be smart about it. Right. And, uh, and, and you know, who knows, maybe they did look at it like that and said, no, we can't do it that way. I don't, uh, knowing knowing what i know about like how corporations think about this type of stuff i don't think they gave it much thought i think they just said we're just going to do these and you're going to block it off and you're going to be fine do you think that they they thought that it was going to be the downtime it was going to be a february thing so it'd be fine they had no idea that black panther's going to they be- may have thought that although you you have to think that black panther's going to do at least like regular summer blockbuster type business mm-hmm. um and so, you know, maybe you thought that there wasn't really any reason. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you thought it was going to be big, but not big, that big. And so, therefore, I still feel like you should have at least one of those big auditoriums yep. open. Um, that way, that way, uh, when you schedule all your other movies, you have you have options. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have those big auditoriums in play, you run out of a lot of options. You start putting in stuff like I saw Annihilation in one of the smallest auditoriums now it didn't do great business or anything but what if it had yeah you know it's it's gonna sell that little theater out every show and people are gonna be turned away and Mm -hmm. and uh all that and they take that seriously in corporate about turning people away because they assume that if you if they get turned away here they'll never come back to this theater and they'll go to other places uh, where you know regal sort of has a stranglehold on nashville so i don't know why although recently regal just got bought out oh yeah yeah so they're not regal uh, the so it's some other Is european it? theater that bought them oh out, really i think so regal's a private company now but yeah, interesting in in this nashville area regal theaters are really the only thing only game in town there's some amcs mm-hmm. that have started you know going around but anyway. i prefer amc at this point hmm i don't really yeah so far, my AMC experiences have not been great. Yeah, I guess there have been some technical issues. Yeah, I don't know, but they're they're both the same to me. I mean, essentially, I, I think Regal's slightly better. But I can't believe you guys don't have like a restaurant theater here yet, like one that does like a full menu and serves you during the there's movie. There's one. Well, oh, there is one. Yeah, there's okay. one south of town. Yeah, Thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Franklin does that, but yeah, that's not that's not like you. You know, you're sitting here in Nashville. Oh, I really want to go down to that restaurant. Right. Theater. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, it's, <laughs> you know, you have to drive all the way down there to do that so all right i got a rant about the bachelor 
All right. Please okay. take it down. I have never you watched. You mean the Chris O'Donnell 1999 <laughs> film? Exactly. Yeah? Okay. Yes. He's adorable in that. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, when is Chris O'Donnell not adorable? You know, never? I don't think I've ever watched The Bachelor on purpose. I think I've like accidentally seen like the, the beginning of the seasons where they, they roll up, and this was early on in its run, where they roll up and they introduce themselves to each other and everything. Uh I, I just don't the bachelor is a huge thing especially with like bloggers and like sports journalists and things like that for whatever reason they really get into the bachelor it is extremely it's like it's like the hills back in the day mm-hmm. uh or laguna beach where it's it's obviously very very fake and staged and all this stuff and it ends with somebody getting fucking married now somebody explain like the logic of one person dating in front of each other several several mm-hmm. women or men mm-hmm. and then even them knowing that that they end up with one and then they decide to get fucking married yeah the conceit of this just never Ridiculous. got me on board uh but people are into it i guess it's the production or it's chris hansen or it's whatever it is but I, i'm pretty sure i mean i'm sure this this point has been brought up many times but i think the i mean I think ultimately people just don't care. Like the the ending of it is their sort of their movie. They watch, oh, that's the one I wanted the whole time. They don't care what happens afterwards. Yeah, apparently. it's a, it's more of a competition than actually relationship. You know. Yeah. And so. any other thing? Now I watch trashy reality TV. I watch MTV's The Challenge. Yeah. But there's a point to that. There's a goal. I mean, it's 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 terrible people doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. But there's a goal to it at the end of the the day that doesn't have anything to do with like building your life around somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if any of these relationships have actually lasted. I'm sure some of them have. Uh, but I was, have have some of them. I think a couple have. It, I mean, there's been so many of these things that you think just by chance. There is a reality show that has uh, that is responsible for I think five marriages in its run. It's no longer on, uh, and all of those relationships have stayed together. Do you Naked know and Afraid. No, oh. no. The Biggest Loser. Oh, oh nice. makes sense though, right? You're yeah. going through this experience together and and that kind of thing. That's yeah. you know that's actually how relationships are made. Mm-hmm. They're not made you know in this kind of game show kind of way. Oh, it's so. crazy. So the end of this this season of The Bachelor, typically they have the final rose ceremony, and the the guy or the girl in this case the bachelor gives the final rose to the person that he wants to marry, the woman that he wants to marry. And so this happens, right? And then they have this quote after the rose presentation like a reunion special basically and at, at during that uh so this guy ari had given a rose to this girl becca right mm-hmm. and they're gonna get <laughs> married and everything's good to go and so after that happened after that episode ari changes his mind mm. and he wants to go with this other chick who i didn't even i don't even remember what her name is mm-hmm. and so the reunion show or whatever it is or the finale takes place with cameras in the face of Ari and Becca as Ari tells Becca that he doesn't want to marry her anymore. What? Okay. And then they quote, show this unedited, meaning that they show the entire conversation with an ISO shot on him and ISO shot on her split screen. And it goes through, he comes in, he's like, she's like, Hey, what's going on? He's like, Becca, I need to talk to you. Oh God. The entirety of this thing, apparently unedited, uh, happens and he tells her you know this is what i want this other woman and that kind of thing and she freaks out understandably mm-hmm. and then she's like you know go it, like after 10 minutes or something like that she says just go and he's like oh all right and he walks off he walks off and she's understandably upset and crying and in the bathroom motherfucker comes back into the fucking house 
Mm. on the somewhat urging of the producer mm -hmm. like he's like ready to go and he looks over at the camera of the producer and they're like okay eh, maybe mm. and he goes back in and it prolongs it for another thing and so we got the entirety of this episode my wife is watching this by the way this is why i'm, I'm having to watch this mm -hmm. and it goes through this whole thing and then they're like at the end of the show chris hansen says and we'll have part two coming up tomorrow i'm like mother fucker <laughs> I, they, 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 literally they, they, there's a follow-up to this and they have to follow up where he has to confront her and her and it's fucking bullshit and it should be shut down fuck it yeah that's uh you know i mean and it's it's weird like how much the bachelor like um uh inspired all these fox knockoffs that yeah. came out like in the in the last decade and joe everything. millionaire joe millionaire was one of them <laughs> there was the other one where the guy was an actor and uh and and the the one the the bride was trying to tell her family that she's marrying this guy and this guy's always in every situation fucking everything up yeah. and he's a terrible person and all those different things and the family's like just like you know you cannot marry this guy and all that <laughs> by the end of it you know he's like they're about to get married they have the whole wedding and everything and he's like i have one thing to say i'm sorry one 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 thing to say i'm an actor blah 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 you know and it's like you know and, and really when it comes down to it as terrible as that is it's it's the bachelor is just as terrible absolutely yeah. oh yeah you know as it, we try to make seem like the bachelor is is some sort of like higher type of thing than than something like that no but it really isn't it's I'd rather all watch, show yeah i'd rather watch temptation island than the fucking bachelor. Yeah, exactly <laughs> temptation island oh my god <laughs> um, anyway i hate that show i will never watch it again uh i'm sure abc is very sad to lose my business they are uh but yeah <laughs> all right we want to do some uh recommends and warns yeah this is gonna be fun totes amaze balls they're great it won the academy award oh for what for best movie ever made i'm gonna recommend icarus that documentary that won yeah. uh this is on netflix right it is on netflix um it is fascinating i love documentaries that do this so the guy, I think his name's Brian Fogel. He's a uh, he's a cyclist, and he wants to run this one race that's in France. It's not the Tour de France, but mm. it's like I think the ten hardest stages of the Tour de France. Oh wow! And uh, and so like he he runs it completely clean. He gets a he's like a fourteenth place finish or whatever. But he gets in his head that I want to see how I would do with if I was on steroids or HGH or whatever. And I'm going to, I'm going to film this and everything. I'm going to try to get this. So he starts off thinking, all right, I'm going to just do this. And I'm going to expose this cycling, uh, the sport where they say that they, they're trying to do it clean and they don't really seem to have very, really any drug, uh, they don't really have any drug detect real good drug detection do anyway. they not it seems like every race somebody's getting busted well and apparently it's really easy to bypass uh. and that's the one thing that he keeps he brings up and everything is it's really easy to pass it's really um and they don't and they i, I guess not in this in this particular race they say they have drug testing but apparently they don't hmm. so he contacts a guy who is um I can't remember that it was, it was a, he, can, he contacts an American first. The American guy is going to help him do this. He's going to help him pass the tests and everything with the, you know, the clean urine and all that type of stuff. Uh, but then he's like, you know what? Probably wouldn't be the best for my reputation. How about I hook you up with this guy who's in Russia yeah. who does this for Russian athletes all the time? 
And you think this is going to be about him doing this, this race and this Russian guy helping him. It turns into something completely bigger than that. Huh? And, uh, and if you ever just want to be, you just fascinated with how people lie about things and just how they cover things up and all their stuff. And especially, uh, especially, I guess, um, apropos in this day and age where we're talking about possible election meddling and collusion mm-hmm. and all this other type of stuff you know this is coming from the exact same place yeah that were you know <laughs> well i mean they were the banned exact, yeah the whole russian they were banned, banned but then they were brought back yeah they were just <laughs> well <laughs> technically in the winter olympics they were athletes who were russian yes right, they right, weren't right. competing as russia yeah. whatever yeah, yeah. that means oar yeah <laughs> it's uh, a great jam band yeah it really is <laughs> um but uh but it's fascinating i don't want to say much more about it actually it's one of those type of things it starts off one way and it has a much bigger thing to look at that's awesome i was looking at that uh browsing through netflix the other day and i was like "Ah, it's pretty fantastic all right i will now yeah Yeah, definite recommend it leads right into my recommend as well because one thing i was thinking about netflix is a lot of times it gets all this heat deservedly so for all this content that it puts out Mm -hmm. and when stuff like bright comes out or mute most recently that you know gets just trashed by critics those get a lot of attention but there's actually good stuff that's coming out on netflix too Mm -hmm. that i think gets buried sometimes uh, so I wanted to bring up a futile and stupid gesture. Yeah. I don't know if, I heard if, about this. if either of you have seen it. Not yet. I, this um, is the David Wayne thing, right? Uh, this is about Lamp, uh, National Lampoon. Yeah, kind of, it is. It know. is David Wayne. Yeah. And uh, it is again. It, it's interesting because you wouldn't think there'd be a lot to give away with the story about this, but the way it handles the conceit of telling this story is fascinating to me. It's very meta, very interesting. Goes right along with kind of how Lampoon would do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the There's this also fun thing that happens in some of these things where people are playing characters you know. So you've got these people playing Chevy Chase and Jim Belushi and you know all these characters and doing a fairly good job at it. And it's interesting both in what it's teaching you about National Lampoon and where it came from and also in kind of how it's lampooning itself a little hmm. bit. So um yeah, I'd highly recommend it. But there's a lot of stuff on Netflix, you know, just to list a couple, like Okja, I think we've, oh, yeah. we've talked about mm-hmm. before. Uh, Mudbound is one I think that gets buried yeah, that's on Netflix. Mudbound's that's so good. That's really good. So I just say, like, there's stuff on Netflix that is good, like, really good that's coming out amongst the stuff that's also, you know, really bad. So, you know, Got, search uh, it out. I recommended this uh, futile and stupid gesture by somebody on Facebook. So I think that'll be one of my next things that I watch. Yeah, I always I forget it that on. it's on there. I, like, I was looking for something to watch the other day and uh yeah i, for, I forgot that i was think on this there. room especially will love it i think it's right up your guys alley i really mm-hmm. do yeah. so this isn't a documentary this is a no. like a, an actual representation I mean, it's, of it it's kind it no it's not a documentary at all but it's it's even not it's almost not a biopic even though it's kind of a you know it's an historical meta narrative <laughs> mm, <laughs> so nice. i don't know how to explain it but yeah, and, I, really and i've i've seen uh a couple of things there's an actual documentary about how lampoon started yeah. i believe that's also on netflix that was really interesting on its own mm-hmm. so i want to see how they acted out and everything that'll that'll be fun yeah have you guys seen the outsider the jared leto thing uh, no. about the yakuza on mm, netflix no mm. it just came out a couple of days ago maybe yesterday or today so this oh. is uh, this is Jared Leto uh, infiltrating the yakuza in in uh, Japan, and it is getting ripped. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Yes, it is getting terrible reviews. Uh, the early things uh, looks like seven out of ten out of IMDb, but overall, like the reviews I've read about it are just 
scathing mm. and from like the regular outlets and everything yeah i mean it's to be expected again i mean they're putting out 700 pieces of original content in the next year yeah 700 and now yeah, obama's that's two getting, a day. Uh, getting into it too it's crazy yeah mm-hmm. uh my recommend i'm gonna recommend a commercial okay yes oh i know what you're gonna say yes so uh i got turned on to this music video that was directed by spike jones mm-hmm. now spike jones has done some of the best music videos of all time yeah um, and it was this music video with FKA Twigs, mm-hmm. uh, as the, who's a, a, a performer who, her song isn't featured in this. The song is from Anderson Pock. Uh, it's called, uh, Till It's Over. And so I was watching it because I knew Spike Jones was involved with it and I, it got all this press and uh, it's this woman that comes home from, from her job and she's kind of shat upon and she gets, uh, you know, sits down on the couch <laughs> And then the, she says, hey, Siri, play me something good or that I'd like. And the song starts playing. And then it takes this visual turn into completely different territory. Yeah. And it's Spike Jones. It almost reminds you of Michelle Gondry type of stuff. But there's a lot of overlap with Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry, I think. Uh, and it's visually stunning. Mm-hmm. And FKA Twigs, who I guess has got to be a, a very highly trained dancer, mm-hmm. is absolutely magnetic in this yes, thing. Man, this sounds like it's right up my alley. Um, oh, it's fantastic. Ultimately, it is for a an Apple HomePod. Right. It's an ad for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but shot as a music video and appraised as a music video, it is fantastic. Oh, yeah. One of the best I've seen uh this early year probably over the last calendar year how long so. is it it's about four or five minutes okay or so. well, it, song length yeah it sort of reminded me of that jamiroquai video that came out in the air uh, i guess the mid 90s yeah. or whatever the um was For it uh, virtual insanity virtual insanity yeah. where the room moved around him or yeah, whatever yeah it sort of reminds I love me of that, that video oh, man. it's a fantastic that's a great song too yeah 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 it is um but it sort of reminded me of that but yeah this is just sort of a good just so trippy and cool that's amazing it, because it takes like it's got such a great sense of space so once she starts manipulating this room mm-hmm. uh and then ends up going like down this big hallway that that appears basically in our apartment there's a shot from the back of the hallway seeing her and looking back into the apartment it's still in that arrangement that she had set up with this these movements mm-hmm. and it's it's static and it kind of grounds you to where the rest of the the experience happens and man i loved it i loved it. i've watched it sounds cool three four times now yeah it's really good you should oh, yeah. check it out it's easily googleable just apple home pie commercial mm-hmm. yeah very cool we're going to do some warnings let's warn warning yes okay so this movie isn't bad but i'm going to warn against a wrinkle in time <laughs> so what how did that go what's what's the uh, the verdict on this okay it's not awful no not awful by any means um uh, first thing that struck me about this movie is the extreme Disneyfication of it. Oh, really? The now I've read I read A Wrinkle in Time when I was like nine. I think in fact I read it twice because they like at some point in school I had to do something. I think I had to do a diorama or something on it. And um <laughs> and I read A Wrinkle in Time. I read A Wind in the Door and Swiftly Tilting Planet. I read all those books. Um, but 
uh, I, you know, at nine, I don't think I even at nine imagined this movie being this like super colorful and like the characters are all whimsical and, mm-hmm. you know, Reese Witherspoon looks like she's really just, I love this. I can't wait for my kids to see this and all <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, it, it grates on me after a while, just all this type of this type of presentation. And there are so many moments in there where uh, where where score would be better. But she uses uh, Ava DuVernay uses like these um, uh, contemporary pop songs, oh, in it, yeah. which it doesn't fit a wrinkle in time to me to have these kind of these pop songs playing. And there's one really cool moment in this where meg the main character is like walking up basically invisible stairs and like oh this is awesome and then some like pop song starts playing and you're like what the hell is going on with this there are three or four really good moments i think in mm-hmm. this um the one part that i do remember from the book are all the kids like bouncing the ball mm-hmm. you know all in sync and yeah. everything which is a really great scene in this um i think that's what happens in the book it's at least close to what it happens in the book and uh there's another one where uh the uh the kid i guess is charles wallace is his name the the character uh is dragging three characters through this dark hallway to this uncertain ending or whatever really good shots in there but i just don't like the disneyfication of it mm. i don't like the, the bright vibrant colors there's some pacing issues in it um uh, and I'm not like some like I've been holding this book to my heart for <laughs> for years and years, and I wanted to see it done the right way and everything. Uh, it was just that it just it fell short for me, and I really wanted I was really rooting for this one. So. Mm. Yeah, it feels like that. I that's what I see all over my Twitter feeds too is just disappointment because I think a lot of people were really rooting for this movie. It feels like one of those movies where everybody wanted it to be an A, and mm-hmm. it turned out to be a C. So we're all calling it a B minus. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just kind of one of those things because we want it to be so good. Um, but yeah, I think there's other flaws in the movie too. I think it's. Uh, structurally, it's a little jagged. It, yeah. it kind of jumps all over the place when it doesn't feel like to me it has to. Hmm. I mean, the source material is would be very difficult to film, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but we've you know we've seen people tackle source material that's difficult and pull it off, and I just don't know that this pulls it off in the way that it wanted to. And I think the emotions there every once in a while, but because of that structural weirdness i think it it short circuits that in, mm. in some ways so and, uh, i mean it, and this i i think the story for this was written before because never-ending story is also written a book before the movie came out or whatever mm-hmm. um i don't know when the never-ending story was written but there are some things uh, you know if i'm looking at this as what movie came out first never-ending story there's a lot of like some of the score has some some same feel to it like they're trying to go for that obviously and and the thing that they call the it in this mm-hmm. um is the nothing essentially and uh, i don't yeah. I don't know if i remember that being like that in the book maybe yeah. it was um but it but it's it's almost exactly the same thing it's this thing that infests all these worlds and it changes right. people and all that and i'm like it's very never-ending story and 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 i and that's a great fantasy movie to 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 copy off of if you're mm-hmm. trying to make a kids movie. i can i can say for sure that there's not any of that stupid you know bathroom humor or anything like that yeah, that pops right. up in this it yeah. actually looks like it's attempting to be uh, a little bit higher minded than most kids uh, entertainment mm-hmm. and everything. But I feel like just like what you were saying with the structure and everything, the pacing, 
all that just uh all all in the one package just didn't it fell short hmm. yeah you got a warn Aaron? i do um i'm gonna warn i don't know if this ever happened before i'm gonna warn against something i haven't actually seen oh okay mm. and the person who warned me from it hadn't actually seen it mm. and i want you if you've never seen it to warn others not mm. to see it uh, this is a movie called Push on Netflix, and the whole conceit of this movie is that this guy, I forget the guy's name, I think it's David Brown, something like that, he is going to convince somebody to murder somebody else through subliminal clues, those kind of things, and the conceit of the movie is that it's real. The conceit of the movie is that he's really doing this. So he has all these people come in to apply to be in his movie. They sign waivers, that kind of stuff, and then they're told they don't get the job. Hmm. Well, then afterwards, they go start planning things in their lives. To So they've got this big corporate. And I'm going to spoil a lot of this movie, so you don't even have to go see it. There you go. Uh, so they, they have all these things in their lives that they're convincing them. There's this charity that needs to be supported, but this uh, one person who is supposed to be dead uh is not dead but they need them to be dead and then at the end it all culminates with them will they or won't they push them off this building hmm. uh now obviously they have a you know uh, something at the bottom that's going to catch them or whatever kind of thing and uh it is from what i've heard about it and what i understand about it uh just seems to be so manipulative hmm. i'm almost sure it's all nonsense anyway i'm sure these people have to be in on this like i can't imagine you could legally do something like this and it seems as like you were talking about the bachelor mm -hmm. you know just just feels just so gross about something that should be important you know relationships should be important and it's just you know to gross them up like that yeah. well, life should be important yeah. you know uh, so man, when I heard about this, I was like, I'm going to be on Syncast and I'm going to tell people not to see this thing. Cause the, the whole idea is to do something like this, get enough buzz. Can you believe what he did? And then everybody goes and watch, you know, watches it. And it's like, well, I guess we should do more stuff like this. So yeah, that would be my vote not to do more stuff like no, this. So I, I mean, didn't even see it. Assuming that there is any reality to this, that that's going to fuck some people up regardless if you know when you have the reveal and say oh this wasn't real they can you think about like the stanley milgram experiments where they had people shocking fake people right and the stanford prison experiment with philip zimbardo where these guys turned into these you know autocratic terrible prison guards these people th th that stuff's not allowed anymore you right know? so either either some people are severely fucked up uh from the filmmakers to the 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 people in the other way uh or this is some bullshit and i think it's the latter yeah. I, I i hope so i hope yes yeah. i hope they're actors i yeah. you know i really do um but uh and i don't know uh, if you guys mind if i spoil the actual end and tell you what happens no yeah okay go ahead. chris that all right no that's fine okay by the way the guy's name is darren brown darren Apparently brown he does yeah. this a lot and if you you're looking trying to look this up because push there's a million pushes <laughs> yeah, based yeah, on yeah. the novel <laughs> push <laughs> by sapphire yes exactly <laughs> this is called the push, <laughs> the and, push. Uh, and so it's darren brown anyway uh, so at the end, they show this guy and he decides not to push the person off. And so it's giving you this feel of, oh, look, there's hope in humanity. He wouldn't actually do it. Then they undercut that immediately with showing you five other people who actually did push oh. the person off and just kind of this pull the rug out of you, you know, from under you kind of moment. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, I guess humanity is messed up after all. <laughs> and so, and I guess they're showing these people saying, you know, how did you, what did you learn from your experience? And these people who push them off are like, you know, I learned that, you know, maybe I need to be not so susceptible and manipulated. And, and I'm thinking, okay, come on, this can't be real. If that were a real person <laughs> who's being told that they were just manipulated into thinking they actually murdered somebody, they would be losing their mind. Yeah. They would not be sitting in, in front of a camera and having an interview, I don't think. So, 
Yeah, I think it all has to be actors. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, I don't know that it even matters because the whole concept is just icky to me. So mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so that's, not, that's not good. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of rant a warn. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, my warn is a soft warn because mm-hmm. I'll probably get some pushback on this. But I watched a little bit of comedians in cars getting coffee mm-hmm. the other day. Now, when this came out on Crackle, I think it was the website mm-hmm. uh, a, a few years ago. I watched it. It was the the first season. I forget everybody that he had on. Like Larry David, I think was in the first. Yeah, one. Uh, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld is is it's literally. That it's comedians getting together, usually in some sort of crazy car that Jerry Seinfeld picks out, um, and then they go to get coffee and then they talk at a cafe. Um, I remembered being they're very short; it's like fifteen to twenty minutes, basically. Um, and I remembered being somewhat entertained, but not really laughing that first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I watched a little bit uh, the other day, and I watched the Steve Harvey episode, and I watched the Amy Schumer episode. And not only was I not laughing, like I was eye rolling through a lot of it mm. because at this point in his career, which he can, uh, Jerry Seinfeld has gotten so pretentious mm-hmm. that he literally looks down on the regular people. Like mm-hmm. he'll he'll be insulting a waitress or something like that because he thinks it's funny. Uh, and he'll, he'll basically say like, you know, I don't I don't talk to the common man anymore. This is the only conversation that I can have. And the way that he's breaking down comedy in the Steve Harvey episode, he's like, you know, people can't do what we do. Like, you can go to school and learn how to be a doctor, but you can't learn how to be a comedian. I'm like, get the fuck over yourself, yeah. man. Like, he's probably right, but it's just, it's put in such an assholeish manner that it's like, it, he was always an asshole in Seinfeld, in the sitcom, but he mitigated it both with the cast and the writing, and it was just so funny, and mm-hmm. it was probably Larry David's influence that really, like, made that like soften that up to where it was palatable but here it's just it's grating on me yeah have and you guys seen these episodes? I, I saw the episode with jim carrey mm-hmm. and i really liked it but i think that had more to do with jim carrey's current i mean he'll he just he says things yeah. <laughs> it's just like they're so out there i just I, right now i could listen to jim carrey give speeches right now every day yeah. like he's so interesting um, so that's probably why I enjoyed it. Uh, mm. and then my wife has actually gotten into it since it's been on Netflix. And so I've watched a little bit with her and it, it strikes me as disposable entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I saw it when it first came out and everything. And when, uh, I, I don't know if Jeremy was still writing for real SEO at the time, but I know I wrote an article about it. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's where I saw the first couple of episodes and everything. I haven't really caught up to it. Every, I mean, I, I was surprised it went so far because most web series, as, as they were yeah. basically called back then, uh, didn't have much of a chance to be a thing, really. Mm-hmm. And now it's like regular that it comes that, that it happens. But, um, but yeah, uh, Seinfeld has sort of become uh, that that's what that's his thing right that he's mm-hmm. rude to mm-hmm. people and everything like there's that viral video of kesha going up to try to hug him at, oh, the, yeah. at some awards thing and he's like he's like no no thank yeah. you he's like, ah, sorry i mean you know and and then the the, the reporter is like she's like hey she signed like i don't know who that is and he's like it's kesha and he goes oh i i don't i didn't know who she was and mm. he's like uh good luck to her anyway <laughs> you know and it's it's kind of funny but yeah, it's yeah. the way he is all the time it feels like and there's not like feels like there at least one can can we see some warmth from you at least once yeah and he probably is but the way he's coming across on the show is just i don't know if he's if he's trying to become his character from seinfeld uh 
the presentation bothers me. Mm-hmm. It's per- there are some good episodes. The Stephen Colbert episode is really good. The David Letterman episode is really good. Um, and then the Larry David episode mm-hmm. is really good. But then the rest of them just fall flat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, do we have some time for some questions? Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Okay. Uh, these come from Reddit and from emails and from Facebook. And we do it all. So definitely send in your questions. Um if you could change one thematic or genre aspect of a movie to make it a comedic parody of itself, what movie would you choose and what would you change? Okay. Um, so you might argue that movies like Transformers and Fast and the Furious are already parodies of themselves. <laughs> yep. You may argue that, but I'm going to say you're wrong mm-hmm. because I feel like they they have comedy in it and they do understand that they're kind of stupid. But I don't think they're self-aware enough. Yeah. And if they were self- more self-aware, I think they could get away with the things they really want to get get away with. Because, quite honestly, they have gotten to the point where just anything goes, but nobody acknowledges it. I feel like there should be a point in, in any of these movies where the characters are just like, this is insane, <laughs> this is the stu- stupidest thing you've ever thought of, blah, 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 and then everything changes from that i would love these movies from that point from that point because if they can if fast and furious they're about to you know jump from one building to another and they're like hey this has no chance of uh, of working at all but we're gonna do it anyway how do you think what do you think you know then i would be i would be fine with it yeah. you know and they just make it a little bit more more you know parody and and slapstick and everything like that a little bit more jokey little less family and all that type of stuff <laughs> then i would get on board with it yeah. i think so i think fast is probably closer than transformers no it definitely is figuring that equation out i feel like maybe Ludacris plays that role a little bit in the fast movies kind of our our person going are we what is really going on yeah, here yeah, yeah, so there's yeah. a little there's a little bit of that but i i totally agree right hey, you can pull it off too it's like 22 jump street mm-hmm. really even 21 jump street where it's like <laughs> they're acknowledging that they look old as fuck yeah, and they're yeah, going yeah. into school or like ice cube saying it's literally the same or nick offerman i yeah. guess it's literally the same thing yeah. again yeah 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 no. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just I feel like yeah, you could you could make that a little bit more naked, gunny, and yeah. I would be I'd be I'd be <laughs> naked, good. gunny. Yeah. Uh, I want to do a bill uh, a um uh Blade Runner twenty forty nine parody. Okay. That's all establishing shots. <laughs> so you know you do yeah. these nice two two and a half minute establishing shots. You get down to the characters, and right in the middle of their first word, you just cut to the next <laughs> yeah. establishing shot. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. do that for the for the whole movie. It, it oh, would still so, be over two hours. Right. Long. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That'd be so. fantastic. I would watch that movie. By the way, I would totally watch. I should, it. I should put that up on YouTube today. I mean, you could literally cut the movie that way, and it'd be hilarious. So. Oh yeah. Uh, I want to make twenty eight days later, but with goofy ass zombies mm. all right so there's this I, i'm gonna get back to that there's this youtube account that is ostensibly a pronunciation guide mm-hmm. so a lot of times for these videos we'll have to to figure out like how to pronounce a person's name especially if it's foreign or something like that and so like there was one i remember i was looking for louis tomlinson from one direction and i didn't know if it was louis or louis mm. and so i went to this you know pronunciation guide we've all seen them where it's like louis tomlinson Louis Tomlinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on this one, I was ready for it and I was t- trying to hear it really well. And it goes, Louis Tomlinson. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? And it killed me. Yeah. Every time like I run into this, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so if you took 28 days later 
and you've got the suspense and you've got all that build up and then you see Killian Murphy look over his shoulder and you've got some goofy motherfucking <laughs> ass zombies chasing him. <laughs> I think just that alone would make that a parody It would movie. completely change it, for sure. <laughs> you see, like, guys just kind of, like, having spasms <laughs> and, like, he's smiling real big and everything. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, you could do a lot You could do a lot with it with them being goofy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it could just, like, be walking towards them and split in half for no reason <laughs> and all sorts of little things that you could do with that. Everything fun. else the same. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it would, it would make it awesome. you got the Dick Van Dyke zombie that's <laughs> tripping over the ottoman. <laughs> yeah. And- yeah. yeah. <laughs> little obstacles in front of yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and it'd be great also if you like had a hint of the Dick Van Dyke theme. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Right. <laughs> All right. I like this one a lot. Elon Musk is a legend and his life is a movie waiting to happen. If there were going to be a movie about Elon Musk, what would it be about? Who would star as Elon Musk and what who do you think should direct? Aaron, you go ahead, because I'm I'm my answer is somewhat close to yours. Yeah, I I'm just a huge Spike Jones fan. I yeah. I love what he does. Charlie Kaufman, you know, writing a Spike Jones film is always like the top tier gonna break my brain in all the right ways and i think this could be really cool with especially elon musk's story because he's such a weird thinker and that's i mean a lot of geniuses that's where they end up you know tesla or whoever because they're willing to think in these very strange ways and so i think you could represent how he's creating and how he's inventing spike jones could really represent that in some interesting ways uh i have starring matthew broderick Interesting. Um, it is interesting choice, and I would tell you, I actually stole this. I actually was just googling who should play Elon Musk because I want to get an you know idea of what other people are saying. And somebody said Matthew Broderick. And the more I started thinking about it, I was like, I think he could pull it off. I really think he kind of looks like him. You mm-hmm. know, he could play him. Uh, interestingly enough, and it would be interesting to see him in that kind of weird dramatic uh, role. So. Plus, it's you know, it's time for a Broderick and Sance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I would fully support that. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. A Broderick, a Broderick. There you go. Um, I'm I'm somewhat similar. And by the way, did you guys see that thing? Uh, when it was it the Falcon Nine that he shot up and and had the actual like it went into space and it was it was playing David Bowie and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody the Falcon uh, Heavy. Falcon Heavy. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, someone had, uh, put a, put two pictures side by side and said, here's, here is uh, a Tesla playing Bowie in space. And then here's the prestige with Bowie playing Tesla. <laughs> That's crazy. It's so That's awesome. awesome, isn't it? Um, great. all right. So I thought of three people who could possibly play Elon Musk, Colin Hanks, oh, okay. uh, Guy Pierce and Mads Mikkelsen. All of them mm-hmm. came to my head when I was uh, really studying Elon Musk's images on Google there mm-hmm. for a second. Uh, I, I'm going to end up with Guy Pierce on this. I think Guy Pierce is the guy who wants to, that could do this. But um, uh, I want to get Charlie Kaufman to write it, and he could direct it too. And you could also get Michelle Gondry. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it, it, his his story really does lend itself to a spike jones or something like that written by charlie kaufman or whatever because you can kind of go wherever you want to with it if you want you don't have to make a straight you don't want to make a straight biopic of elon musk i don't think it doesn't make sense yeah what did kaufman direct was it just connected to new york and i think there was uh, he's done a couple did he do adaptation did he direct that no spike jones Jones did that um but uh yeah he's done a couple others i think oh anomalisa Anomalisa. Did you guys uh, like that? I love Anomalisa. It's really good. Yeah, it, it, he only did those two and then a TV movie called How and Why. It has Michael Sarah in it. Huh. But uh, yeah, it, it, it feels like his, his life deserves to have something like that 
where you know whereas in an adaptation it's the you know that susan orlean i think that's how mm-hmm. it, susan orlean uh he she he takes uh liberties with her life and the the making of the you know the orchid thief and everything so you could do that with him too yeah i think it would be great yeah uh okay so this is going to happen in like 30 years or so i mean it could happen i guess in five Mm. but you know to really have a historical perspective i think in in 30 years or so it'd be a good time to look back Mm -hmm. uh so i would take actual edgar wright Mm-hmm. who by this point in his life is probably towards the end, like he, he's done with directing, mm-hmm. but he's so inspired by this story to come back and do his Edgar Wrightness. Mm-hmm. And couldn't you see this guy's story like cut up and edited and everything like mm-hmm. Edgar Wright, yeah. especially at the beginning of his life or, or where he's, he's hatching these ideas and everything. And it's just bam, 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 you know, wham, bang and all that stuff. Wham, bang. Yeah. All right. Uh, and I am going to choose Remy Malik. Yeah. As his doppelganger. I looked at side-by-side comparisons, and he looks a lot like him. Mm-hmm. This uh, Rami Malek, I've never actually seen Mr. Robot. Have you ever watched that? Oh, yeah. I've watched all of Mr. Robot, yeah. It's, is it good? Oh, it's phenomenal. Okay. Season season one is is transcendent. Really? Yeah, it's so good. Uh, I got to check that out. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I've never seen Mr. Robot, and I know people have told me to watch it and everything, so I will at some point, but I only know this actor from uh, that short-lived sitcom on Fox called The War at Home that had Michael Rappaport in it. And oh. uh, and he's also in one of the Twilight movies. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's all I really know him from. Uh, well, yeah, he's got apparently got good acting chops. He's going to play Freddie Mercury. Yes. Uh, in, the, yeah. in the biopic that is directed by. Well, once was Singer. Yeah. Singer had Singer left. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I think he's he's got the stuff to pull it off. And I, I just want to see Edgar Wright piece this guy's life together uh, from Tesla to uh you know SpaceX and all these other things. So yeah, he is. Uh, he's one of my embarrassing celebrity encounters. I've met uh, Mr. Malik. Really? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know if it's Rami or Rami. Uh huh. And that's ridiculous because whatever it is, I called him the wrong one and he corrected me. Oh. <laughs> so, and you still don't know. And which I still one. don't know. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> oh, that's. I think it's Rami. I think it's Rami Malik. <laughs> I think it's his name. That's, um, but uh, but yeah. It's now uh, Dexter Fletcher is the other director. That's Interesting. On this now. All right. Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, I mean, I'm on board for this. I think they've been trying to do this for a while. I think Sasha Baron Cohen at one point was being thrown around for Freddie Mercury, but uh, I can't wait to see it. I hope they do a good job with it because what a what a subject. Interesting side note: Dexter Fletcher is a guy that I know mostly as an actor, and he was in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh. He's one of the main crew in that. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Huh. There is an actor that looks exactly like Elon uh, Elon Musk, and again, I only used to research his name is uh, he was on Lost. Uh, Kevin Durand. I don't know if you've seen him mm. in anything else, but if you do a a search for him it's it's incredible hmm. looks like it's elon musk all right so check that out oh yeah yeah i know who you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. uh well that'll do it for this week we'd like to thank aaron uh dicer Yay. once again hey my pleasure uh, pimp your shit man <laughs> will do <laughs> Uh, if you like listening to this podcast, you probably have a way in your podcast player to search for other podcasts. Just hit that button and search for Sift Pop, S-I-F-T-P-O-P. That's our pop culture podcast. We do that weekly. It's basically, it's mostly a movie podcast, but we do go into other areas of pop culture as well. Uh, it's if, really good. Oh, thank you, Barrett. Yes. I appreciate that, man. Um, and then I'm also on YouTube as your movie friend. Uh, you can either search for my name, Aaron Dicer, or your movie friend on YouTube. Um, and I do a couple reviews each week in a five things format. So just kind of, and I get to 
have a nice pun on each of those. It's my favorite part yeah. of doing my weekly videos. Also, is really figuring good. Out, figuring out the yeah, puns. You're one of those one of those guys that I think is really thoughtful when you come up with your reviews. And oh, everything. thanks, man. And so, like, even if I were to disagree with you, I would have to agree with why you liked or disliked. Oh, something. sure, yeah, so yeah. I, I I enjoy that aspect of everything. Is when. You know, it's it sucks when somebody's down on a movie and you don't really know why they're sitting there like right, listing yeah. things, and you're like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't get it, but um, I, I, I don't even see where you're coming from, but, uh, but you, I can, I can see that. Sorry, oh, I, I had a cramp there. <laughs> no, I, no, I really appreciate that because my goal is to give you the information you need to interact with the movie, however you want to interact with it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have points that are positive that I think are positive that'll be green, and points I think are negative that'll be red. But I also have points that I think could go either way. Like something I like, I know others aren't gonna like, so I'll put a yellow on that. So you know, we may disagree here, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's on YouTube, Aaron Dicer or your movie friend is the easiest way to find that. All right. Yeah. Go get you some Aaron Dicer. All right. That'll do it for this week. Keep going to uh, uh, Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. Keep going to SoundCloud. Uh, CinemaSins Twitter. uh, Reddit. We got a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways to come in and sound off on this particular episode and many other episodes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm the guy on the Facebook, so I go. Yeah, this is the other day. Somebody was like, "Who is this?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, it's it's Chris. I man the FB." And he's like, "Just drop the V. It's it's FB." I was like, <laughs> nice. "Gotcha, gotcha. Well done. Well <laughs> Very done. well done. Very well done." Uh, but uh, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Barrett Share and Aaron Dyson. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube. Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Um, but I can, uh, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana. Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Montana, Missouri, Nebraska, Nevada. I'm sure I missed one in there somewhere. You probably did. New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming. Something like that. Nice. Mm. I'm sure I missed one or two in there. Wow. Mm. All right. Mm. How was that? Is that good? <laughs> well, um, you were actually really humbling. When you were doing that, but it's fine. <laughs> humbling. Yeah, there's a whole article on how to build the, your perfect Adobe Premiere War Machine, essentially. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, so uh, what computer can I buy that's close to that? <laughs> yeah. And then we'll do the other stuff. We'll do the other stuff. You know, Sweet. butt stuff. And yeah, butt stuff. <laughs> I'm totally down with that. T- uh, together uh, uh well together what are we even talking about <laughs> what are we even talking about anymore jeremy's not here doesn't give a f- i don't give a fuck <laughs> day of the dead i've never seen day of the dead yeah day of the dead is uh this was a while after dawn of the dead I yeah think. this was wasn't this the one where they did the uh, the cameras and everything they did the uh, the povs and it all may that. have been i, I, I get remember. them after dawn of the dead and even the dawn of the dead remake you know day and land and all that right. stuff i just get is it, it like the uh before sunset before <laughs> yeah, is it, really is. it really is it really is dialogue driven yeah yeah <laughs>
I shouldn't give that away. One of them dies, right? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. Anyway. <laughs> we, 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 we're, too, we're too dumb to, <laughs> to, to, to spoil that movie. <laughs>